We Speak English Good has expanded to WSEG TV only on Twitch. Every Monday at 1 p.m. and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be going live and direct with guests. I have live looping, improvised music stuff and games prizes and more go to twitch.tv slash we speak english good and tune in also go to modedstudios.com m-o-d-e-d-s-t-u-d-i-o-s.com check out the latest and greatest from this fully embroidered patches and apparel online store actually the latest one is my favorite which is a maga hat with blm spray painted graffitied over it you got to go check it out it's amazing i put it up on my facebook these hats are selling like hot cakes go check it out for yourself modedstudios.com now on with the show during these uncertain times during these uncertain times in uncertain times in uncertain times uncertain times unprecedented times unprecedented times unprecedented times this unprecedented moment in our history shit sounds wack i'm tired of this fucking song i want it to be done so let's just fucking get it done. Yeah. I'm gonna match keep it happy, I'm gonna kick this motherfucker by the test with Dan Death said to me. On a black line and a cruise, then my soul's taking a beat. Guess you got the American way, gonna do what you gotta do to get hit in the time and anywhere, anyway. Now let's get back to work, even if it means fucking dying.
true Cause it feels like it's a species We're going back in time Even though I'm not as concentrated On what the human life will matter And these out of touch ideals will go away But I'm sitting here hoping While people are dying in the streets And that was the latest from Downtown Brown called Crank 2020, now available on all streaming services. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Neil P. of Downtown Brown, Detroit's finest. Neil lives out in Long Beach, California now. He got away from the Midwest. He got away from Detroit, and uh, he lives out there in Long Beach on the West Coast happily with his gal. Um, and, you know, I, I, I had a really great conversation with Neil. Like, we, you know, there, we had a lot in common. We both had to, like, stop drinking. We both found ourselves in sticky situations that, uh, you know, you end up in these weird spots when you're drunk or high or whatever. So, uh, you know, you have to quit sometimes. You have to put on your big boy pants and uh, face the day with clear, sober eyes. Sober, you know what? I got to stop saying sober because even Neil was saying he smokes weed. I smoke hella weed. It's ridiculous. So, um, Neil was an awesome guest. He came on. He, he, he told his story, and I really appreciated it. Uh, appreciated it. Appreciated it. Yeah, I appreciated it. We'll get to Neil here in just a moment. But first, go to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and check out the latest and greatest. And honestly, it's Twitch. So right now, Reina is going is ramping up for a subathon on September 26th. She's going to do 12 hours twitch.tv slash Raina Mystique. That's right, 12 hours of cooking, of, of singing, of playing music, building Legos. It's, it's going to be an all-out Twitch 12-hour subathon. She has all these cool prizes she's going to be giving away. She has, uh, and really, it's a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser because Reina is completely overworked, and she wants to take the month of October off to create new music and new content, and really just go hard on Twitch. So, what we are gonna do is we are gonna be. Oh, also, I will be a part of the performance. I will be sitting in with the lovely lady herself. Um, sometime, I don't know, like a, a chunk of that time will be me playing music with them. So, with her. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be promoting that heavily from here until September 26, 2020 at twitch.tv. So, there it is. There's the big pitch. There's the. It's been amazing, honestly. So, Davey504, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Davey504, he is this. He's a fucking legend on YouTube. He's this badass bass player. And he's been re- doing these videos lately where he's been going on to Twitch and donating like $104.54, and which, which makes sense now because he's Davey504. So whatever 
whatever the price is, whatever amount that you have, it'll always have like 504 at the end of it. Uh, so I thought that was kind of brilliant. I believe he's Italian. Anyways, if you haven't heard of him, I, I'm sh- I'm sure you've heard of him. <laughs> I'm sure. I know who listens to this podcast. It, it's dudes who like music and play music. So I know one of you motherfuckers have heard of Davey 504. Anyways, so Davey stopped through Raina's stream a couple days ago and he just dropped the $105. So this is what he does in the video. He'll go around and, and ask for ridiculous things. Like I saw him, uh, he went to this guitarist and he was like, I will pay you $100 to cut, uh, to break your string. So he makes the donation, you know, puts the money up and then the streamer's like, okay. So he starts twisting his, uh, his tuner knobs until the string pops. And then so Davey comes back with, I will give you another hundred dollars if you if you break another string. So, motherfucker breaks another string. I think he cuts it this time. So, his whole plan the whole time was to get him to make it a four string and have it be a bass. So he's like, and he converts people into bass players. So, I thought that was pretty keen. And what ended up happening happening is is that he featured Reyna on one of his videos by stopping through one of her streams and asking her to play Somewhere Over the Rainbow on the ukulele because it was the only ukulele song you know. So he, uh, he, he just asked for it. So Reyna was like, oh my god, you gave me $105.04. Of course I will do that. Which goes right towards her fundraising for the subathon. Just going to throw that back in there. So... <laughs> So she does Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and uh, Davey's very polite, and he said thank you, and he moved on. So he ended up featuring her in his video, and uh, let me just tell you, Davey has legions of fans, <laughs> because they have been showing up. Uh, they showed up on Reyna's Sunday stream, they've been showing up, they showed up heavily today on on her stream on uh, uh uh, today is Tuesday. She streams Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. and Saturdays at 9 p.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m. all Eastern Standard Time. So, <laughs> Davey, fucking, his fans are amazing. They, they showed up in droves. They've been donating all this money. They've been subscribing to her channel, which if, if you're not familiar with Twitch, if you subscribe to someone's channel, you're basically paying $5 a month to view their content and see, you know, just hang out. And, and it's a way to support your favorite streamer. And also they have bits, which is a way of tipping. So people just been coming in, dropping bits, dropping donos, donations, and uh, and subs, subscriptions. I'm sorry. I know it's a whole nother language, kind of. So I'm just sort of filling you in for, for the folks who like to listen to this show and don't really care about seeing it live. In, in person, well, not in person, but live and direct and have a chance of winning prizes from our sponsor, modedstudios.com, M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S, boom.com. That's right, baby. Uh, I, that was a really quick Moded Studios plug there. So uh, go and write the show at We Speak English Good at We Speak write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com check out we speak English good.com like subscribe review 
like us on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, the whole fucking thing, Discord. All that shit's in the in the show notes. Uh, you can go and and leave a review, like, subscribe. Oh yeah, subscribe on uh, what is it? YouTube. Subscribe on Apple iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Wherever you can subscribe. Twitch. You subscribe on Twitch. Uh, and and then also leave reviews. Leave a review anywhere you can. Uh, iTunes, five stars, written reviews, anything helps drive people to the podcast i've been really appreciating it we've been surging in numbers lately and we've been goal busting so that's amazing i'm just gonna take it as twitch is doing well with everything you guys are okay with me including my chat in the conversation i know you guys were used to me just talking straight to someone else you know like and then sometimes of course addressing you guys um but this is like such a weird dynamic right um i guess it's not that weird it's not as i mean it's like a radio talk show right you 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 can call in and interact and also you can call in my show so if you guys want to stop into a stream and call in (laughs) you can it's possible so um yeah where was i so it's been really nice seeing you guys you know downloading the episodes and hanging out with me um and and especially with this weird change like this it's not a complete change right but it's definitely a a change um because we're we're letting someone else into the conversation not just someone like uh you know whoever's in chat you know so it's 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 really interesting to me and it's been really cool to sort of navigate um you know staying engaged with our guests but then also staying engaged with the chat box i still feel weird about it and especially when i'm watching myself interact with both it looks so fucking disrespectful i just feel so disrespectful when i'm like looking away looking around and uh you know typing and and i type like a like an idiot so i'm hitting one button at a time like you know what i'm rambling i'm rambling so uh, I hear Bishop running towards the door. Oh, he's just going pee again. Okay. I'm in the laundry room because it's late. I've been working all day. You know what? Let's get the nail. Let's get past all this other shit. Uh, what else do we got? I think that's it, right? Yeah. Write the show. Check out the website. Like, subscribe, review. Leave reviews. It helps. Um, mode it. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging in there, and uh, I I hope you enjoyed that Davey 504 story, because I really enjoyed it. Shit has been popping over on Twitch. I'm telling you right now, it's just been fucking fun as shit. Okay, guys, Neil P. of Downtown Brown, of the Subcast, of... What, what's the other one he does? He does, like, three fucking podcasts or something. He does, uh, oh, the Nebo Show. So he does the Nebo show, he does the subcast, and um, he kind of did, you know what, what was cool about Neil, what is cool about Neil is that he's sort of doing what I'm doing and incorporating his podcast into Twitch, so, and he also releases it in in, uh, audio form, he releases it on YouTube, so go, I'll I'll leave all the links in the show notes, so please, please, please go support our, our, our friend and, and guest today, Neil P. of the legendary Downtown Brown.
It's Mike EP. Is that your that, pseudonym? That is. That is. That, it is Mikey P. As in not like a, just, Okay. Like, okay. You, you, are, is your last name P? Does it start with a P? Are you Mike P? No, I'm actually just Mike. I'm, I'm Mike Lawfer, but <laughs> Mikey oh, P was... Yes, I'm Mike L, but it, I was in a band where I had, um, where we had like 10 mics in the band and we had to differentiate. Uh, it is like, it's like, okay, because I played piano. They're like, okay, you're Mike Piano, Mike P, and then you're Mike Guitar, and you're Mike Drums. And, uh, you know, uh, George Foreman named all of his boys he had a bunch of kids he named them all george foreman there's like george one george two that's a real thing yeah i, I did know that i did which is a very, very odd thing it's it, uh didn't he have a girl too that he named george as well i think he had a Quite possibly i have no idea um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fucking celebrities man they just they they get money and fame and they're just like i'm gonna name my kid apple it's like fuck it we're doing things yeah. um, humans are wild yeah, well, you know, I mean, f- well, I mean, I guess we, I, 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 I don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. Maybe you do because you do have uh, some cachet in the music world, and and uh, and uh, down- well, one, one time, one time, a guy in Kroger asked me how my butthole was because I posted about having butthole problems. So, I mean, if that's if that's celebrity, I guess. Hey, man, I would be honored to be asked about my butthole at Kroger or something. <laughs> hey, Snooze Mew, what's up, buddy? Thanks for dropping in. Mighty, mighty. Hold on, let me get you mighty. Mighty, mighty. Uh, mighty, mighty. Thank you so much for dropping in. Snooze Mew, apples are really common name in Asia. Okay. Well, um, not here. Oh, <laughs> Snooze Mew. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, yeah, uh, in Asia, Apple's a common name. Cool. Well, I, you know what? Snooze Mew is full of fun, like, Asian information. Uh, we had a whole podcast about it. It was, it was amazing. But anyways, so back to your uh, celebrity and, and being asked about your butthole. So what did you do? You posted something online like, hey, here's my butthole. It hurts? or No. I'm, you know, I had to go see a colorectal surgeon to oh. uh, determine whether or not I was a candidate for surgery. Because oh. I was having butthole problems, but I like you know I'm I'm almost too transparent online, but that's part of my personality. I like saying shit about myself that makes people scratch their head. Why would he say something like that? Because if it gets a re- if it garners a reaction out of people, it kind of I don't know it, it excites me. Um, it's not necessarily a negative reaction, but just like why would anyone say that kind of reaction? You know, <laughs> I don't want to fight people. I just want to be me to like the nth degree to the point where people are like that guy's weird it's fun i i i relish in the weirdness so yeah what why why do you like that kind of attention why do you think you like that kind of attention because ever since i was a little kid it it was i was always off and (laughs) but i but it always made people pay attention to me and i didn't my dad didn't love me like i wanted him to Mm. so i was trying to I was trying to fill this like validation attention void in my soul. And I did it pretty much by acting like an idiot all the time and having, you know, I'm just trying to entertain people. I didn't realize that till late in life till I started going to therapy. Mm. Uh, that the whole reason I am who I am is because I just wanted my daddy to love me. <laughs> it's, it comes down to like either my dad or my mom or my parents didn't love me or they love me in the wrong ways. It's just, it's, it sucks. I mean, 
it, if you watch any of those serial killer documentaries, it it all boils down to childhood abuse, mm-hmm. like nine out of ten times. Yeah. And not saying yeah. like I became a, a fucking murderer or a sociopath because of the way I was raised, but it certainly it certainly made me into who I am as as far as like needing that attention and validation from outside sources, which is something I'm trying to delineate from you know i'm trying just to recognize okay okay this is why you're on the internet and this is why you're in a band and this is why you're a streamer and this is why you know you're doing all this because you want people to fucking recognize that you're special or that you're talented or that you're funny and i think i think that's a lot of humans just want to especially now because it's so easy to have your own soapbox a lot of humans are just like well i want to be noticed too notice me notice me so it's like the internet is just thousands and millions of people just being like notice me <laughs> it's wild it's a wild place it's, it's fucking insanity <laughs> it really so, is and I, I add to it you know i but I, i'm just trying to be aware of it and not let it rule me um but there are days where it does and there are days where i'm depressed and there are days where i'm happy and it's a roller coaster man I, I agree. You know, like I was when I was doing research to, you know, talk to you and, and um, I noticed right away that we had a lot in common. It's like uh, it's like <clears throat> alcoholism and then quit and, uh, you know, anxiety, depression. It, it's all the things that sort of ro- run in this circle. Right. Like in the a creative circle is people tend to be, you know, uh, depressive and, and anxious and, 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 and need attention and, and, you know, trying to fill the, the void of, of childhood and, and licking the wounds from childhood. You know, it's just, it, it's <laughs> music and art just is this beautiful pool of it. Uh, where do you fit in? I mean, everyone I know is fucking nuts. <laughs> and I don't know, if it, I don't know if it necessarily... And most of the people I know I met through touring and through being a creative. So the, the, the most interesting people I know are ha, have the most problems. Mm. You know, some like some of my favorite people in the whole world are are mentally ill, are heavily medicated, are fucking alcoholics, are drug users, are um, you know, poets and freaks and weirdos and and they have you know, just those are my type of people. So I I you know, I don't necessarily know how I fit in because I've never really fit in anywhere but i guess i don't know i'm i'm just just a dude i don't know if that answers like the original question i kind of my, my brain's really melted lately Me i don't too. even do drugs anymore. i feel i feel uh i feel like i'm 39 years old i'm approaching 40 and i feel like i don't know if it's this pandemic or or if it's i don't know what it is but my brain is slowing down i feel like i'm having I'm like so anxious to the point where I have trouble just formulating basic sentences and I'm like in my brain, it's like a cacophony in there and I'm trying to shut it up. And so I try to like eat an edible and then it gets worse. And then I just like lay in the fetal position and, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going on, dude. I don't, I, I no, I, I feel you, man. It's, it, you're right about the edibles, man. The edibles scramble my brain. I was just telling my wife before, I was like, I have not recovered from that fucking dispensary gig we played. And like, because they just had these s'mores and the ch- medicated s'mores, and I haven't eaten, I haven't eaten med- uh, uh, edibles in, in months because I do this podcast and it affects me for like, weeks and and coming and and like i was a drug user you know heroin everything you know everything all of the things 
Um, and so, like, I just feel like any kind of drug that, like, puts me in a different state, like eating weed, because eating weed is definitely different from smoking it. Uh, it just it just affects me, like, if I took a hardcore drug. And, and, and for me, if I take a hardcore drug, it takes me, like, weeks to sort of, like, clean out and, and fully get it out of my system. And, and edibles act in the same way. So it's really hard for me to sort of indulge because I love edibles. I think they're the best way. I mean, it, it's the closest thing to heroin without, you know, dying. <laughs> so it's like for me, um, not that I'm trying to glorify it. I'm sorry. You try Kratom? Oh, no, no. I, I'm not really interested in that <laughs> at all. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I mean, because people like if you used to use opiates, there's a lot of people that kick opiates mm -hmm. through Kratom. Um, but they, then, it, you know, it arguably anything your body enjoys becomes as addictive maybe not as physically addictive but definitely there's a mental addiction that occurs with the pain relieving um benefits of something like kratom like i i had a friend that recently passed away and he he did a lot of opiates but also like when he wasn't doing opiates he was doing kratom I, I, like it's sad it, addiction is a real thing it's it's a powerful thing i mean for example my, my mother is uh, she had brain surgery because of an aneurysm and the the neurosurgeon said to her listen if you don't want this these aneurysms to come back you're gonna have to quit smoking and my mother is 72 years old has been smoking cigarettes since she was fucking 15 you do the math she's my ner the, her neurosurgeon surgeon took my brother sister and i aside and, and said she's probably not gonna quit smoking no matter what like even if it's even if it's like fucking wrapped and presented to her in a way where hey you're gonna live longer you're gonna see your your grandson longer you're probably not gonna get these aneurysms anymore we're not gonna have to do any more uh, major surgery on you if you quit smoking she straight up even the neurosurgeons like she's not gonna quit she's not gonna quit coronavirus happened she's she's got copd she's at high risk for if she gets corona it it may as well it will kill her probably just because she has lung problems to begin with and this is this is a virus that attacks the lungs and Straight up, she's still smoking cigarettes every fucking day. Addiction, addiction is one of the most powerful things. And I'm an addict. Like, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic and I'm addicted to like probably three other things right now, but they're just not as, um, you know, detrimental to my health as alcohol, you know, caffeine, a little bit of cannabis and yeah, like the dopamine rush of an orgasm. <laughs> I think that's a, a food. I'm addicted to food. Yeah. Yes. Food. So maybe four. I'm addicted to four things right now. That was another thing that we had in common. Social what, media, five things. Social media. Sorry. I, I think yeah, that I, everyone has at least five things that they're just fucked. They're just, they're just, they're slaves to, and they're just gonna, they're gonna keep going back to it. The food thing is another thing because it's like, what, what are you supposed to do? Like, you're supposed to, eat, you have to eat to live, but you're not supposed to eat too much to where you become unhealthy. Uh, but with addiction and stuff, I mean, because for me, it started in childhood with food. That's what started my addiction was because like I was a fat little porker. I was like two. two well, no, my bad. 325 in high school. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah. Good on you, man. You look you look healthy. I appreciate you, too, man. I mean, like I, I going through the years, I've seen you fluctuate. You talk about it. You talk about how, you know, it, that you gained and you've lost and and. You know, it's part of your your system. Are you still working out? Do you work out a lot still, or are you just doing? Oh, six days a week. What's funny is 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 I work out six days a week to be as chubby as I am. Like yeah, me like, too. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it I takes guess. a lot of work to even 
just look like this, which is fucking hilarious. It's just, but that's just genetics. A and B, um, when I got really bad with alcoholism and abusing food and using food as a coping mechanism, I, you know, I got up to like about 250 pounds and it, uh, I mean, like, you know, you've been there. It, where am I even going with this? See, this is what I'm talking about. My brain just farts out. I feel you. Maybe I need to stop eating edibles before bed. But it, it got to the point where, yeah, I was, my doctor told me I was going to die young. Oh, wow. I kept it up. So, yeah. Yeah, my blood pressure is really bad. And and uh, heart disease runs in my on my dad's side of the family. Like, both my my dad's dad and my dad had massive heart attacks before they were 50 or in their 50s, Jesus. like at a young age. Wow. So I, I got to watch that shit. I remember one time I went on this keto diet because some Hollywood bro told me. And I lost a bunch of weight. I lost like 20 pounds. And I'm like, oh, this is working. But then I went into the doctor and I had a cholesterol test taken. And they saw that all my cholesterol levels spiked because I was eating a high-fat diet. And the doctor goes, you know, if you have a fucking history of heart disease on your dad's side of the family, you probably shouldn't be on a no-carb, all-fat, all-animal product diet. And... That, you know, and I was like, yeah, he's probably right. And then I heard Kevin Smith on the Joe Rogan experience talking about his massive heart attack and how he went vegan. And Kevin Smith, I mean, if you look at him now, he's he looks like a different guy. He probably lost 150 pounds. Yeah, he doesn't you even know? look like Kevin Smith. He's somebody yeah, else. So, and if you if you saw the new Jay and Silent Bob movie, which I uh, my girlfriend and I rented it recently, it, like he makes a lot of jokes about not being fat anymore. And <laughs> He's really good at making fun of himself. He makes a lot of jokes, too, about how uh, the whole movie is based around rebooting an old franchise. So, like, so many of the jokes are just at their own expense for rebooting Jay and Silent Bob again. <laughs> yeah. And it, so it's very meta. There's, like, levels to it. They're, like, commenting on Hollywood, but they're also making fun of themselves at the same time. And it's fun. Yeah, well, I, you can appreciate that. I, I, I can appreciate uh, artists who like know that they're just sort of kind of cashing in on rebooting. I, I can appreciate that about Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith's approach to the new movie because it's like, what else? He's you in gonna... a, yeah, he's in on the joke. Right. He's, he definitely doesn't take himself too seriously. Like everything he does, he I think he's still even 25 years after Clerks came out, he's still just kind of like, wow. I have a career in Hollywood because of some movie I made with my buddies, you know, where we we funded it with fucking maxing out credit cards and we shot it in black and white to save money. Like he he rolled the dice and won in yeah. life. And yeah, I lo love Kevin Smith, man. I do too. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. No, it's okay because Snoozemu is pulling us back in. He said growing up poor um, and still falling before the na below the national average income. When I get some cash, I binge. It's a form of compensation with what I didn't have, and it's a survival instinct, which I can understand. If you come up poor and and it's something where you have um, a food shortage and you're not always sure where your next meal is coming from or however that is, I was fortunate enough not to have that in my life. My family was very yeah. poor, but they still supplied the ramen noodles and the fucking Kraft macaroni and cheese and the fucking microwave hot dogs and all that garbage it's like i still was able to get fat as fuck uh but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah i mean it, it can it, happen it, on a budget it, it's you it know, can it, it mostly does happen on a budget because people who don't have access to uh decent food all they have is that shit that's what they call them food deserts which you're from detroit i mean that they've had a, they've come under a lot of scrutiny for these kinds of things where you know, poor health, 
you know, poor systems, uh, poor, you know, poor neighborhoods not having access to uh, uh, food deserts, essentially. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, all of the organic food are like, quote, organic. I don't know if anything's actually organic, but no, that's the so. most expensive food you can buy. If you go to they, they call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck for a reason. Right. We did, like my girlfriend and I, we, don't, we refuse to go to Whole Foods just because you walk in there and get four things and it's $37. It's like it's <laughs> And it's owned by Jeff Bezos, which we could get, get into that or not get into that. Uh, He's I, uh, a son of a bitch. He's a reptilian. He's a reptilian. Jeff Bezos is this evil, evil entity. I I hate to admit it, but when I started building all of my streaming gear and my, my podcast studio, once the pandemic hit, yeah. I was giving money to that motherfucker because we I didn't all like best Best Buy wasn't open, I, you know, and I wanted to get this shit off the ground because I had, I had my podcast going... I, the whole motif of the podcast was uh, a guy who's in a band interviewing weirdos inside of his band van. And that was like, that was my... Was that the, the first start? Like, yeah, the first 20-something episodes is just me in my van okay. talking to people. And, you know, and uh, when the pandemic hit, I'm just like, all right, well, I'm not going to do anything. But then I got bored. And, and now all I do is edit videos and I'm on the computer and I'm making music and yeah. So why is Jeff yep. Bezos evil? Why, in, in your eyes, why is he evil? Because you also uh, talk shit about Mark Zuckerberg, which I still don't. I, I, you know, I don't get the joke, but you said something about Zuck, and you got zucked. I think I saw that. Oh yeah. Well, no. When I when I restream my streams, if um if I play a cover song or if I do anything that's copywritten, like yeah. the the stream concludes immediately on YouTube, and I restream because I have a lot of boomer people that that. I mean, there are a lot of them are my age or older right. that are, are fans of my band that follow me only on Facebook and they haven't made the jump to Insta or they had, they, they would never dare like start a TikTok, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm in this weird position where I'm approaching middle age and most of the people who know what I do creatively are like almost middle age, if not a little bit younger than me. And, and I'm trying to like achieve some sort of longevity by doing these newer platforms where there's a younger demographic and it and it's tough dude because i'm a dude that plays guitar and guitars like guitars just aren't cool anymore it's just not <laughs> you know what i mean like a dude playing a guitar it's almost like a meme at this point it like is. here's wonderful you know <laughs> exactly family guy did us in man and then the memes came and then it was over it was like guitarists now are like the douche like oh i gotta take that back because it, it's 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 like it's the it's the white guy with the acoustic who's played wonderwall right because it's not <laughs> but you it's, know but you let's know. just put it this way if if i were 10 years younger and i had bought a macbook when i was like you know was gifted a macbook when i was like nine or 10 or 12 years old and I was like making beats in my bedroom. I probably would be way further in my music career if you know what I mean. I, I, I do. I, I was born in the '80s, but like in the early 2000s, it, there was this idea sold to people my age that's like, if you get a band together, you can get like you can get Slipknot, Blink 182. Like here, here's all these bands that were. And at some point, um, maybe like when MySpace started to die, 07, 08, like. Being in a band just wasn't as cool anymore, yeah. and now, now we're in this full like. It's just it, it's a weird time. It's a weird time, and so I'm like an, an old dude trying to adapt to new times. Like I'm a 39 year old guy on fucking bro, Twitch, bro. Just fuck songs with a loop machine, you know. Just tattoo your face and start mumbling into a microphone over crappy beats, bro. You got it. I like, 
to that music. Me That's too. Me too. A, I like fucking I mumble. I, don't be, I used to work for these dudes in in Cali, um, and they ran this rehearsal studio, and it was also a recording studio, and they they straight up would turn people away if they wanted to record hip hop music. Like they, they would say no to money. They would be yeah. like, oh. If it doesn't have guitars and drums, we mm -hmm. don't want your money. And it's it's like it's like, dude, what? Like, why don't you just record anyone who wants to do music? Like, why are you being? Why it's like dad rock only? It's like <laughs> fuck that, dude. If someone if someone wants to give you money to record their shit mm -hmm. and all they want to do is like record some vocals and EQ it, plug plug the shit in. You don't have to mic a drum set that way. Right, it's just cheaper. Have them, have them bring you the track and then you you fucking use your nice microphones you eq it you mix it you master it you send it to them and you fucking have them pay you make money if you're in the business of making money why are you saying no to money no that's it, my rant on that no no it's a great rant because i mean because there's definitely like right now in chat someone's saying there's definitely a stigma towards hip-hop and r&b and and i feel that like like my wife is an r&b artist and she streams on twitch and you don't really find a whole lot r&b artists you know on twitch you don't like Coming up, I don't know how it was for you in Detroit coming up in the music scene, but coming up for me in Toledo and then when I moved out to San Diego like 13 years ago when I moved out there initially. Um, yeah, you got a 619 area code. I saw that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I fucking... Yeah, I'm, Trio, 619. I'm not leaving fucking... I'm not, I'm not abandoning my 619 number. I, I abandoned the 419. I still got my 313 number, so yeah, yeah I feel you. You know what, man? I... I'm from Toledo and I live in Toledo now. I moved yeah. back. So, uh, but yeah. coming up in the scene, hip hop <clears throat> was looked at as like, you know, the, the cliche thug type stuff. People would not book shows for hip hop in Toledo. And when I first moved out to San Diego, it was hard to book a hip hop band who was a conscious band. I was in a, in, they were a conscious band and you yeah. still had hard time. They had pushback. And of course, as hip hop has become like the new rock music, you know, it's the it's the mainstream now, um, yeah. which it has been for years. But at this time, it was still looked at, which is mid 2000s, which is not that long ago. But still, it was looked at. And then the early 2000s, it was still looked at as, as you know, guns and violence and all this. Did, did you see that kind of coming up in the Detroit scene towards hip hop? I know you're a fan of hip hop as well. So. Oh, I love all types of music. Uh, so I grew up in the suburbs mm -hmm. of Detroit. We we rep Detroit because that's where the band started. Yeah. But I mean, even that would come under contention for some people. I spent a lot of time in Detroit. I, you know, lived in the city and I played a million fucking shows there. But um, I feel like it's crazy because there's bands I know that live like 30 miles northeast of the city that still rep Detroit. It's just the thing. If you're a band and you're from the metro area, it seems like you just rep Detroit, and <laughs> I, which is weird. It's weird. And Toledo's yeah. a weird place, too. My, my ex still lives there, and I've spent a lot of time in Toledo, and it, it um, a lot. I've heard the comment a lot of times that like Toledo is just a, a like a mini Detroit, and it like is. I kind of get that vibe a little bit. A little. It's a, it's a, it's a very small town. Mm -hmm. And Detroit, even for being a big metropolitan area, if you're in the creative community, it's a very small town. Yeah. It's just everybody knows everybody. Everyone who's making music and whether it's hip hop, rock music, techno, it's a small pond. And um, so, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't. I always appreciated hip hop music, but I never, I never was like involved in i was always involved in the punk community so i i can't necessarily comment on whether or not i saw hip-hop music in detroit not being 
taken seriously because I, I feel like detroit's a big hip-hop yeah town. me too I me too that i mean because like i was thinking about that as you're talking it's like detroit like even in the time that we're talking when you guys were first starting out we're talking about i'm sure there's so many people but you know like eminem was huge and i'm sorry that's the only person and and, and, and of course kid rock icp had their moments which you guys have ties to i want to talk about that for sure but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um so so i guess hip-hop was really embraced in Toledo. i guess toledo was more of that um uh, uh had that kind of bullshit and then when i went out to san diego they had that bullshit a lot because no matter yeah. how liberal fucking california thinks they are there is still a lot of fucking bias and weird shit against people of color and stuff so it, it, it's it's it, it's it still, depends on where you are. I really it think. Does. I think. I think in LA, like LA County, not a lot of people. I I feel like it's a big melting pot. Not a lot of people give a shit. Um, I live in Long Beach. It's mostly brown people, and there's a huge. It's crazy. There's a huge wealth disparity too. Like if you live by the water, uh, and by the beach, like it's super fucking expensive. Yeah. And we, we live. We live in we're it's like a predominantly Mexican American population in this neighborhood. In fact, like at the corner store where we go to get our cat food, we said we live here, and the guy who works there is is just like what? <laughs> we're like, yeah, we live over there. But but I don't know. Yeah, I I always feel like Detroit as a whole has been a, just a a hub for like things like techno, hip hop. Yeah, no, it's been yeah. a breeding ground. Yeah. I don't think I don't think necessarily even though I wasn't involved in those scenes like my educated guess is that it there probably are some rock venues that didn't want to book right. rap shows right but there was a shitload of rap shows happening yeah. whether it was like Hamtramck uh early 2000s and there and there was always a mix but there was always like a lot of conscious like backpack rap going on mm. and, and it's like Blind Pig in Ann Arbor had tons of hip hop yeah. show yeah and and then there's places like Alvin's in Detroit when when that place was popping in the early to mid 2000s. There was a lot of hip hop shows going on. So and at the Majestic. So as, yeah. far, as far as Detroit is concerned, I don't think there was that stigma. Yeah. Um, but, but there some of these like rock clubs, like there's a place called Token Lounge that threw a hip hop show. Mm -hmm. And that's on the west side. That's in the west suburbs of Detroit. And there was actually like a shooting and people were killed. So that was the oh, last shit. time they ever did hip hop. So it's a mixed bag, just yeah. like any big city. Of course, it's a it's a mixed bag, uh, and and especially out here, like in, in LA, it's a total mixed bag. Because if you cross into Orange County, you're in like fucking lifted truck Trump territory, like Huntington. I don't know if you saw that fucking that clip where there's like a BLM march going on in in, in a beach town, and there's some dude on a beach cruiser calls some dude the N word. Dude hops off the truck and just lays him out. It was like a viral video. Oh, it's one one of those like one of those like racism goes wrong. That was Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach is is a fucking gnarly place because it's a lot of emboldened Trump supporting white people mm -hmm. that just want to scream the N word into the air. Like it's it's wild. There was there there was like a Black Lives Matter march in Huntington Beach, but it was like the, the it was tiny just mm. because it's just the nature of Orange County. Orange County is they like there are a lot of right wingers, but yeah. in but in L.A. County and in on Hollywood Boulevard, you may have saw the aerial footage of there was twenty thousand people in the street after George, what happened to George Floyd? Right. Like yeah. like that that is L.A. L.A. is in high support of you know different cultures. It's just a huge melting pot. There's right. there's literally everyone looks different everywhere you look. 
So I, I liked it about LA County. There's just too many fucking people. It's crazy. So we had a couple. <laughs> uh, we had a couple questions from the band. And Saucy, I see your song. We're not going to do it right this second. I will do it. I I, I forced myself to sing in. It's very embarrassing, but I, I'm gonna have to sing you a song, Neil. And uh, <laughs> before yeah, we're done, I mean, this, this um, is your show, bro. Uh, sing do well, whatever you want. Well, I mean, it was happening, but I, I just was letting you know that uh, I'm gonna embarrass myself, and that you have to watch me sing, or we can wait till you leave. Whatever you decide. But um, I don't know if you know, but uh, this was a question for the guest from Snooze Me. What do you, did you have a favorite Toledo punk band, or did, were you familiar with Toledo punk at all? Oh yeah, like when we first started playing in Toledo, it was like 02. Or it probably was 01 when we first went down there. Well, so, yeah. I was thinking, I saw you guys. Did you guys play like Frankie's or the main event at all? All the time. Yeah. We never played main event. We played Headliners a fuckload. We played Frankie's a fuckload. Okay. We played Howard's Club H and BG a fuckload. Right. We played the Bijou. We did it. We the Bijou did shows was dope, the, man. We did shows at the Bijou that like popped the fuck off. Because we know, we know Brock down there. Yeah. I don't know if he, I'm pretty sure he, he was like, He's like the the music guy, either he or John Anderson. I don't know if if I don't know what this the status of Ohio even doing shows is anymore. <laughs> from from what I can see, there's actually shows happening yeah. at Frankie's. Is that, is that real? No, I don't think shows are happening at Frankie's. But these uh, but the hippies have put on the festival, like Glow Stick. You know Glow Stick. Uh, like of course, um, my I, friend. I'm not sure if they are going to do Willie Town, but um, I know like they they're they are are they they're going to for sure do it. Are you guys yeah. going to play it? I'm a, I ain't getting on a plane, bro. Sorry. <laughs> I, Fuck I that. Told him that. He, he's like, dude, plane tickets are cheap. Just let me know. Plane he's like, tickets are cheap. Have, dude, well, uh, we bought a stage. Those dudes bought a stage. I know. They're like, awesome. Know? I love those guys so much. Those guys are fucking so fucking rock and roll, man. They are so they rock go and hard. roll. They uh, go hard. But, but, dude, like, you know, like I said earlier, but I have, a, I have my mother, 72 years old, and she's at risk for COVID. And I want to be able to be in the same room as her without killing her so so where i stand on all this shit i don't know what's real i don't know what's fake i don't know what's a government conspiracy but i don't want to kill my mom so i'm not getting on a plane <laughs> I, I stay the fuck put i do my podcast on zoom i don't go to the fucking gym if i go to the beach i'm wearing a mask if i ride my bike i'm wearing a mask if i go in a store i'm wearing a mask i'm like i'm i genuinely afraid whether or not it's overkill or me buying into the you know the government telling me what i should think i i don't know what the fuck it is i can't i'm not an expert i'm just a dude but i'm not getting on a fucking plane to play a gig not nope. anytime soon bro yeah. sorry me neither <laughs> no 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 I'm, I'm yeah i'm with you man I'm, I'm not doing that like i'm saying no to everybody right now and it's just i'm not it, it I, it's the same exact thing. I, 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 I'm in contact with my mother too much. She's at risk. She has too much things that could go wrong. Fuck yeah. that. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You yeah. know. I'm not going in some studio and in some little spot and, and fucking breathing in your COVID. You know, like I've 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 been saying no to a lot of projects just because of uh of I'm I'm just I'm not risking it. Um, I, I got. I want to. I want to hit on this question, and then I want to actually get back to COVID uh, and you know what we were talking about. But yeah, um, yeah. It, uh, they were asking. Well, it was they were asking about um, Burger Records fiasco, and I fucking forgot what the Burger Records fiasco was. Snooze Mood, do you can you give me a reminder? I remember you sent me an article. Are you familiar with okay. it? Yeah, the Burger Records is a, it's an LA 
uh, it might be Orange County based record label. And and essentially they had, from my understanding, I, I read a couple articles on it and I know people that were very vocal in Fuck Burger Records, but uh, they're a band called The Growlers is one of the bigger yeah. bands on Burger Records. It's, it's a really big indie label right. out here. And apparently they admitted to sexual misconduct and grooming and and pretty much they had this like record store um where they would bring underage girls and they would party and they would essentially like they admitted to being immoral taking advantage of younger girls that were enamored by being around um you know people with clout in the music industry which is which is a real thing like if you if you are a notable figure like just like louis ck like used some of his power like we we, I, I, we don't have to go into arguing about that but but he was in a position of power when he's like can i whip my dick out and masturbate in front I, of you i agree with it, you completely it, um you know did he ask for consent yes did they say yes yes but did they say yes because he was in that position of power that's where the argument comes in that's where the nuance comes in and with these burger records people it's like okay would would these underage girls be hanging out with these 20 something, maybe even 30 something year old dudes if they weren't in popular bands in Los Angeles area? Like probably mm. not. So is that and, and th so essentially they came out and they said, yeah, we did fucked up shit. And then they just folded the label. They they put someone else in head of the label. They put this they put this person and she was like yeah i'm i'm gonna take care of this from now on but then after like a few days maybe it was like a week they just folded the entire thing so so burger records r.i.p yeah they just they were faced with the scandal and they just kind of went into the shadows i don't know if there's any litigation that's actually happening towards them but they they didn't deny the rumors they pretty much just said yep we're <laughs> scum and then they disappeared <laughs> So, <laughs> kind of like Louis C.K. <laughs> it's like, yep, well, I saw. Well, I don't know because that's the thing is Burger Records probably isn't going to come back, but I guarantee right, like right. Louis C.K. is working on a special. Oh, it already uh, came out. Our, oh, it came out. I'll send it to oh, you. Oh, yeah. It came out on his, uh, his website. On his website. Yeah. Oof. I'll send it to you. He, I'll send it if you want it. Do you want it? I bought it. Would it. Be interesting. It would be interesting to listen to. And I'm, and I'm sure he doesn't. He doesn't seem like a sociopath. I'm sure he's full of, of regret. And yeah. but also he, he's got this fucked up way of spinning things that are really terrible and making them hilarious. So I assume the special is filled with jokes about him. You know? Like I would I mean, you listen to it. I haven't listened to it. So Yeah, um, yeah, it is. I mean, he addresses it and it's pretty funny, but it's pretty it, the thing that sucks about it is that it's like uh it's marred by his actions. So there's this yeah. weird thing thing hanging over it that i i think it's palpable for everyone it was definitely for me uh where there's just this weird thing hanging over um just it's just this thing that's in like the elephant in the room he addresses it but it just I, you can't really get past it because you can kind of see that he's been you know kicked around by by the world by his own fans and, and it just you can feel it i, I think so and i don't yeah, think okay. he's hitting I, and I, I don't think he's hitting those same I mean, he's hitting those same notes that he usually does, right? Saying the fucked up things and twisting it, making it sound, you know, and getting people to laugh at really dark things. He has that. It's all there. But then, again, there's also the other, you know, it. I don't know. I'll send it to you if you want. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because my, my girlfriend does stand-up. Oh, she's, cool. She's been a stand-up. 
And so she, I'm sure she and I would definitely be interested in listening to that. Just, you know, yeah, just, just to, just to, you know, just as like an experiment. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know? That's like, how I saw it because it's not like, you know, it's not like these people, they make these mistakes and fucking all of a sudden, you know, I, I fucking hate them. It's like, you know, I always say this is like, fuck, I can't. It depends. On right. Right. Well. Like with R. Kelly, it's like you know what I, I, I fucking I think what he did was just terrible, but I still believe I can fly. I still can step in the name of love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm fucking still moonwalking. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't give a fuck. Like Michael Jackson <laughs> was diddling little kids. I don't know. You know, like it, I, I'm, I'm a firm, I'm a okay. Allegedly, I'm a firm believer of of separating art and 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 artists. But you're right. There are artists out there like. I don't know. We could, I, I guess, Bill Cosby. It's kind of hard to get into. I would have a hard time listening to that Lost Prophets band <laughs> after knowing what that guy did. Let's yeah. just put it that way. I, I that, can't really separate the art from that motherfucker. Is that is Bill that, Cosby? Uh, yeah, there's, it's, you know, there's so much subtlety and nuance to this whole conversation. I it, know. It really is. It's not binary, it's not black and of white because not. people. Like human beings, we're so multifaceted, and and uh, there's you know we, all we know is what's fed to us by television or the media. We're, it's not like we're friends with these people. It's not like we were there, right? So it's tough. It's tough to 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 know. We only know what's being fed to us. I mean, even about the COVID thing, it's well, like it, what do we actually know? Exactly, and and that's what I, I don't. Know. Well, you go ahead, dude. I keep. No, no, Cutting it's all right, man. Um, it's 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 my, it's uh the the COVID thing is very interesting because it's like this this disease that's very real and people are acknowledging that's real. Like you started off like say it's like, I believe it's real, uh, you know, like it it, it it But then you get people in the same sentences, like maybe you know a couple sentences later, saying you know like fuck mask, you know what I mean? So it's like. It's just really weird right now that there's so much weird information. Not weird. I keep saying fucking weird. Uh, there's so much misinformation and so much just opposite information out there that it's really hard for people to even grasp what's real. And and I think that that's spreading through all. It's not just COVID. It, it, it's spreading through through just how people are viewing like the protests. It's spewing into how people are viewing politics. It, it's just this. I, I don't know. It, I feel like there's opposing narratives mm -hmm. uh, that are clashing really hard right now. And if you go online, it, unless like you live in an echo chamber, you're going to see all these fucking crazy opposing narratives and, and everyone's ready to fight with yeah. each other about it. Mm -hmm. And and I had uh, a dude on my podcast that's part of the Detroit protest. He's like really involved. Like he's marching every day wow. for BLM, for George Floyd and for a bunch of other reasons. And it's the, the the way the right is spinning how they're all violent looters is that's a false narrative and so it, it's tough to know what is the real narrative when you have you're being fed literally like three or four narratives about every single hot button topic these days like there's a narrative about the protesters there's there's one that says they're they're peaceful and they're doing great things and, and they're agents of change and then there's one that's like they're all violent and then they're looting they call them rioters they don't even call them protesters they cut like the right call labels them as rioters and then with the COVID thing you you have people that are in the medical industry my brother works at a hospital that are, are straight up like this shit's really real people are dying people are having to say goodbye to their families 
over a fucking iPad because we're not letting anyone in the hospital. And then you have the opposing narrative, which is just like, oh, the, the government's trying to control us and they're they're trying to put, you know, implement us with microchips and fucking and I'm not wearing your mask. I have rights. And like these numbers are falsified. And it's it's just so you go online and you just want to smash your head into the wall because like not only is everyone fighting, but it's like who's right? Who's wrong? There's just such a divide in human beings right now, and, and and it's and it's all fueling the political debate. It's it's just a really gnarly time uh, to be a human being in America. I it's no fun. It makes me depressed every day. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. What's up, Savage? Thanks for stopping by. Um, the it's there's so like at the beginning of all of this when all these protests and stuff were coming out you know there were reports of 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 white nationalists you know starting riots and then there's antifa and then the cops were starting these these violence and the thing is about all of it it's that it's some of it is true and that's the pro you know and and i feel like when you disseminate truth like that it no one trusts anybody and no one trusts and especially not the government and I feel like there's a lot to lose with that kind of loss of trust because it's just, I mean, like, what you know, they're blaming each other. They're, they're not taking responsibility. Nobody's taking responsibility. Everyone's blaming each other. Everyone's making everyone else the enemy. And we're not able to have this. Kind, on top of that, we're shutting down real conversations that people are trying to have about culture, race, and all this stuff because we're not allowed to talk about these things now. And so, like... I don't see this sort of playing out well. You know what I mean? Uh, does does it make sense? I, I, I know that was a- it's not playing out well. <laughs> it's terrible. It, and and I feel like, especially because I just I hang out in my apartment with my girlfriend and my cat. I'm I'm like a, a spectator, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's playing out in real time on the internet. Like I'm not even as far as the marches and the the BLM movement out in LA. There, I. It happened for a little bit and it kind of died down a little bit. They're like, like out in Detroit, they're, they're marching in mass every single day and they're having conflicts with the police. And and, and that's why Trump was sending out uh, uh, some of those like feds out to like Portland and whatnot. Uh, as soon as the feds left, it was peaceful again. You know, <laughs> like, like any of the looting or the burning or any of that shit happened. That was like, that was right at the beginning of it in, in, in Long Beach. And in LA, they fucked up some shit, but that was only like one night. And that was like, that was shortly after what happened to George Floyd happened. They, they burned the shit out of Melrose. They fucked up a lot of Long Beach. There was a lot of broken glass. They like, but there's also footage of people looting and stealing shit and cops are right there just watching it happen because that supports the rights narrative that, um, these people are, are just fucking violent protesters and, and, you know, they're they're just destroying public property and they're just stealing shit. They, they needed that footage. Did you see footage on the news of the police just standing there? Oh, no, yes. Saw- oh, yeah. Oh, you, you saw that? Oh, I saw it. I saw that shit. Fuck yeah, I saw that. I saw you, police just... Footage on the news of, of the Long Beach police just watching people loot? Well, that, oh, that no, not the Long Beach, not Long Beach, but I saw it in other cities, like in Seattle and stuff, where they were just sort of standing back and letting people uh, just sort of run amok. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's really scary that it's just a political narrative that is allowing that. And, and even though I agree with a lot of that narrative, 
I don't agree that we should be letting people break shit and, and cause violence. If it's a peaceful protest, it's a peaceful protest, you know? And yeah, that, but... And, go ahead, but I'm sorry. This, this is the thing. It, it makes sense after seeing what happened to George Floyd that that would incite some sort of collective anger. Of course. You can't just be, you can't just be like, oh, well... Because <laughs> I, I remember the meme was going around of Kaepernick because everyone's like, well, why don't they just protest peacefully? And then there's a photo of Kaepernick kneeling. It's like, we already tried. <laughs> like they, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But, but as far as, as far as the longevity of the, this movement and the people in the streets, I would, I would say most of it is peaceful. But mm -hmm. when George Floyd first hit, people were mad as hell, man. Yeah. Like it makes sense that they wanted to burn down a fucking police station. And when that happened, it's like, you know, as fucked up as it is, I was like, fuck them and fuck yeah. Because it's it's like, how long are you going to just let people who look like you get murdered in the streets? You know, I'm a, I'm a fucking, I'm a white dude from the suburbs of Detroit. It's not my fight. I, am I a supporter? Yes. But but I've had people on my podcast. I had uh, Norwood from Fishbone and I had some other people of color. Like, And I just sat there and listened because I want my listeners, I want it to be explained to them in a way they can understand. Like it makes sense that things get violent. If you're stomped on and you're beaten in the streets and just for the way you look for hundreds of years, like there's going to come a point where you just can't take it anymore. And it boils over and you fuck some shit up. And, and it's like, do you know, do I think that's the right way to, way to go? I don't know. Maybe not, but do, does it make sense why it's happening? Yes. To me, it makes total sense. Like you can't just you can't just fuck with people for that long without them fucking back, you know. No, I I, I do see that point. Um, I do I I do, man. I I really do. But like I I gotta fucking I gotta fucking say is like I I I just I can't condone any kind of violence like that. I mean, but but you're right. How long can you stand there and watch and watch people? Condone. I can't condone the police's violence towards black people. I can't either. And, and I agree with you. I, no, I, I completely agree with you. How long are you going to get murdered and just not do anything about it and not be, and not fucking burn some shit down? Like it, I, you know, it, it's sad that this is even happening, but mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. I, am I, and am, am I saying it's the solution? I don't fucking know. Right. I'm just a dude. Right. But it's like, it's like I remember when I was a little fat kid and the, these there was these older bullies that fucking they would like push me down after school. Like and after so many times, you, you ever seen the movie Christmas Story where the fucking the uh, the bully Scott Farkas kept pushing down Ralphie with the glasses and kept just like yeah. it, the bully kept terrorizing the bully kept terrorizing his group of friends until he fucking snapped. And then Ralphie jumps on the kid and just beats the ever living fuck out of him, just like bloodies up his yeah. face. And. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but dude, if you're bullied for long enough, you're gonna fucking snap. Yeah, you yeah. know. No, and and that's and why it's that's why it's such a crazy. It's that's why it's such a hard thing for, to even comment on because it's like, yeah, of course, you, you can't just sit there and get your shit. You can't get your feet stomped on and not expect to fucking kick back. It's like th there is there is validity to that, and and um, you know, I, I guess I I want to. I want to. I want it's the right way. No, I'm just saying I get it. It's just the way. Know? No, no, for sure, for sure. And and who are we to say what's right and wrong? Um, but uh, it looks like the chat is going off on some stuff. Hold on, let me check. Let, let me let me check it on uh -oh. some stuff. Uh, 
Loki uh-huh. Loki says uh, people say it takes away freedom to wear a mask when it's mandated. Why wear a seatbelt in the car? Then I don't understand. It keeps people safe, and that's another thing about the mask too. Is like uh, it, it, I, Snooze knew, Mew brought that up. Um, he was saying that it's not to, for people to keep in mind for people who don't want to wear the mask. It's like it's not it, it, it's it's not for um, it's not for yourself. It's for other people. So just is it going to kill you to be a little bit more? you know, kind-hearted and think about others rather than yourself. Um, but, you know, ugh, this is America, low-key, you. We don't fuck around. That's the thing is when I'm wearing my mask and I'm riding my bike around Long Beach, there's a, there's a lot of motherfuckers that just aren't wearing it. And yeah. they're, they're literally putting me in danger mm-hmm. because because they don't feel like wearing a mask. And, and th- the reason I wear it is because I don't want whatever's in me to get into other people you know yeah. i i mean and, and there's a lot of memes and there's a lot of it's explained scientifically i'm i, I don't know if i could explain to me it just makes sense i wear i wear a mask and i yeah and it, also what's fucked up about la county right now is it's not fire man i mean a, a lot of Californians on fire right now so if you actually like walk outside and you like look towards the sun there's like a haze in there I, i'm on the south bay but it's wild like it's hard to breathe and i can't even imagine what it's like north of here uh in like tahoe and stuff like people are just getting smoked out there was i guess there was like there was all this lightning that struck and it just started all these brush fires it's it's crazy there's some apocalyptic shit going on i know man i know man it's like tornado fire tornadoes and fuck it and they're what was it they just they're releasing all those mosquitoes in florida um there was a category two hurricane in iowa last week that took out 40 percent of the corn crop Uh, inland category two fucking hurricane how does a hurricane happen inland that's crazy in iowa (laughs) in fucking iowa like the one of easily 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 one of the worst states in america fucking iowa and fucking it's just getting it's just getting i'm sorry iowa i i, I don't mind iowa that bad it's not that bad uh <laughs> i mean it's slipknot bro slipknot's from Slip, iowa hey so. fucking midwest man midwest comes hard with it uh <laughs> yeah, cornfields yeah i i never had a great time touring in iowa but <laughs> me too i've never toured know. there but uh, i i've gone I'm through sure there there's cool people in Iowa. I just, it's fine. You know, it's it's a fine remember, state. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine because there's cool people everywhere. One time, I do, I do want to tell this story very quickly. One I'd time, like we played in Iowa, and this dude, he's like, "Your band can crash at my house," and and we went to his house, and then he proceeded to like brag to us for an hour about how cool he was that he was like cheating on his wife with some younger, hotter chick. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, like, is that cool? Is that what you brag to strangers about? Like, I'm fucking this girl, even though I made a, a legal vow to another human being. That And it's just, it's wild. But, like, human beings are strange, especially men. When men get together and they, they want to fucking flex about how fucking cool they are, it's, it's usually some, like, some, some weird shit. Like, I played football in high school, and it's a bunch of, like, young men, like, trying to be men, but they don't know what a man is. They're just like, well, a man's this. It, uh, that that locker room talk shit is real there's some like there's i don't know if it's like that anymore because this was in the 90s because i'm old but 
there's a lot there's a lot of fucking toxic ass men bragging about some toxic ass shit to each other with their dicks hanging out it's a strange place strange world it is man and and i think that's why we have a lot of people who are against the toxic masculinity but i also think that there's the i also think that men are sort of being a little neutered in some aspects you know what i mean like uh, men aren't exactly allowed to be men and, and and I'm not saying men aren't allowed to be like hey sweetheart nice titties you know like it's not it's not what I'm talking about but you know just to be interested in things that are manly can deem you to be a fucking meathead asshole douchebag you know like um, yeah it's a case once again just like everything we've been talking about I, I feel it's like a case-by-case basis subjective. and it's a nuance it's a nuanced conversation because you can't just be like Anyone that watches MMA is a fucking idiot. Right. I'm sure there's intelligent people that enjoy MMA and or anyone that like likes sports is a fucking moron. I'm sure there's I'm I'm sure there's respectable people who respect women and who are decent human beings that like sports too. But but it seems like the loudest voices from a lot of these communities really ruin it for the rest of people. <laughs> You know, yeah, like like the monster energy drink tattoo guy with the lifted truck that just is, is picking fights with people for them looking at them like that gives the MMA bro kind of a bad look, you know, a bad name. So, <laughs> it certainly uh, does. It certainly so it, does. It, it's tough, you know, because I'm sure and I hate to say this. I'm sure there's some Trump supporters that aren't total douchebags. No, there's but, not. But then you have. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there there probably some that just are like a little brainwashed by the rhetoric and are like, oh yeah, tr- you know, Trump's looking out for me. I, I'm a Republican. I'm gonna vote for him. But but the the loud emboldened voice of the uneducated, like just blah blah Trump supporter, ruins it. They they do they do they really do uh, well I mean and then look at who he's appealing to and who he's trying to appeal to and and that's that also gives you a little bit of a clue on that. It, it, What's crazy is when he came out and he said, "If I were to ever run for president, I would run Republican because he said they were a bunch of idiots." Like yeah. he's quoted as saying that. Yeah. He he. he like, he pretty much called it before he even decided to get into politics. He's like, yeah, I would be a Republican just because I could totally manipulate that. Right. Because and, they and did the groundwork. Yeah. Well, they did the groundwork. They did a, they did a really good <laughs> job of convincing poor people that, that they have their best interests at, at heart. And, um, and, 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 and I mean, it's both sides. I, I don't want to say Republican or Democrat because both sides at this point are just the fucking most disgusting, out of touch fucking group of assholes i've ever seen like in the world like literally in the world they're just so you see that meme where it's the kid at the basketball game with it trying to shake the hands of the basketball players and they're all ignoring them no okay it's it's a meme but uh it, it pretty much the the little kid is is poor people thinking that the billionaires give a fuck yeah, about them you know no one none of the billionaires are are shaking hands with the poor people <laughs> yeah. is essentially what, what the meme is explaining. It's like, yeah, no one who's in a position of power that has a lot of money gives a fuck about poor people. No. And and this is coming from the mouth of a person that's in a low income bracket, myself. <laughs> so. You know what, Snooze Moo? Even Sanders, even Bernie Sanders rolled over and took it in the behind uh, by his own, well, not his own party, but by, you know, like... I. 
I I love Sanders and I would have been all about Sanders too or Andrew Yang. Yeah. Thank you. I was all about Yang Gang. Yang Gang for life. That's I mean fucking the thing I want is, that UBI baby. Right. Give me that well, UBI. Well, look at look at what happened and look at did you did you read anything by Yang Andrew Yang at all? I mean his book was. I, just, I saw him speak on, uh, on some different podcasts, but I I didn't necessarily read any of his platform or anything. His, I'm I'm not I'm not really that well-versed in politics yeah me neither i just i just talk like i am but what yang had to say it was interesting like the the whole ubi thing is is pretty interesting yeah um i don't know exactly what the inner workings of it were but it's he seemed like an intelligent well-spoken guy that had interesting ideas you know yeah he has really good ideas and like well his book is just this like really dark and stark um uh, uh sketch of the future right it's this like Automation is taking out everyone's jobs. Everyone's going to be destitute unless we get everybody on some kind of UBI thing. People in Silicon Valley are are actively looking to take your job. It's not the fucking Mexicans, bro. It's Silicon Valley taking your fucking job. And um, and 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 so this pandemic. What's interesting and why he was tapped so hard, but then left behind again, uh, was that he had this sort of insight this knowledge of, of, of how, how communities work. I mean, he, he went to Detroit and, and he, and he started these small businesses. He did so much work in Detroit. He did so much work in Cleveland. He, he knows what it takes to, to be a community leader. Oh, he, wow. And he had a very good, uh, a very good idea of how to sort of get us out of this upcoming disaster, which the pandemic sort of uh, accelerated because his idea was in the next 10 years, automation is going to be taking out truckers, uh, you know, taking out Uber, which Uber just got taken out of California, which is interesting. That's a lot of people out on their ass. <laughs> uh, but oh, Well, I, I read that they they were were going to get rid of it and then they decided not to last minute. Oh, okay. So. My bad. Fake news everybody. But anyways, Well, it, no, but I I think this just happened this morning. Oh, okay. Right on. Well, they did in California they were going to eliminate Lyft and Uber because they have these crazy it says, it says court grants stay for Uber and Lyft in California. It would be And there was one it would be a disaster. It would be a fucking disaster. How many people are relying on that right now to get by? Like how many people how you know, like it would literally fucking sink a huge part of a California economy to 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 oh, yeah. make all those people unemployed all right at once. It's bad enough that we had the whole fucking world go under all at once. Now we're gonna take these localized economies out as well. But what Andrew Yang was all about was how um how um you know UBI is gonna be this very important thing because of how technology is gonna take our jobs. And, um, well, COVID took our jobs and we sort of find ourselves in that situation. And, um, you know, yeah, we're here already. Man. Yeah. It's like, fuck, fuck automation taking our jobs. Our jobs are gone because of this pandemic. I know? mean, did you ever think that the gigs would be gone? I mean, cause I've lived through a, a, a moment where there was not a lot of gigs and I, you have too in 2008. I'm sure, I don't know how that worked out for you guys when the- I was touring a lot in 08, but yeah. it was a, a lot of just, like, super diy like just driving around the country doing basement shows and mm. playing record stores type shit um did i ever you know what i always thought gigs were gonna be here and uh yeah. i'm there's a part of me that it's a blessing and a curse like a, a a good amount of my income had to do with like doing these gigs where i would be essentially a hired gun 
uh, I play in this band Reagan Youth where I'm a hired gun singer. And then I was backing HR from Bad Brains as a hired gun guitar player singer. Cool. And uh, and in 2019, those were like my big pay gigs because I was I was playing with groups that were definitely more high profile than my band. Like my band, you know, there's a few markets where we do decent. But when you're backing the guy from Bad Brains, like you're going to get paid every night because they're... <laughs> yeah. There's there's an interest like in every single market where there's like music for to go see that guy. Um, yeah. So I we had plans we were gonna go to Japan and Hawaii, wow. and that was gonna happen in 2020 and all that shit just, just yeah. And then I had a tour with Reagan Youth where we were gonna do a Midwest tour and and we had contracts and guarantees and we had set a, amount of money that we were gonna make and I was looking forward to that. I was gonna get on a plane and do the Midwest thing with a classic punk band and i I was gonna sing and uh yeah that it just that went away but uh, you know a consolation for all the covid shit happening is it it really gave me an opportunity to concentrate on making content uh by myself being more self-reliant getting some decent gear um you know i i sold a bunch of my old shit and i bought a bunch of new stuff and yeah i'm i'm like i actually have a makeshift studio now which is amazing because i've always been an idea guy but i never had a way to produce my own shit and i i always like ever since the 2000s early 2000s when i started my band i'm just like oh i'll just pay someone to engineer my music and that's just the way it works you like make money at the gigs and then you take that money and you, you go pay an engineer to record your shit but it's like why why wasn't I ever like, well, I could do it myself if I just get the gear and like COVID what happened with COVID is it forced me to, to fucking be very self-reliant. Cause all I have is me right now, because I'm not, I'm not playing in a band. I'm not jamming with people. I'm everything I'm doing is remote. And I already was doing video editing and the podcast shit. And now I'm just leaning into that way more. And that's why I started streaming too. Cause I saw my friends were, uh, we're making a living doing streaming as a band. And I'm like, wow, I thought it was just video games. And my friends in the band Psycho Stick. And, Are they on Twitch? And then Glow Six- yeah, they're on Twitch. Dude, they, they fucking destroy on Twitch. Nice. They're, uh, they're killing it. Because, well, they have a big, like, international fan base. Oh, so they already and- had, they already had, like, a, they already had a, a jump start in this whole thing. Yeah, like, they have, they have, like, 200K Facebook likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they... Their re- most recent album that came out in 2017 or 2018, I believe, it debuted at number one on the Billboard comedy charts because they're considered like a comedy oh, cool. band. Um, but they, I mean, they beat out like Ron White's album. Oh, shit. shit. Yeah. And, and, and these are just some knuckleheads that are my buddies that live in Chicago, but they, their content is like top notch. Every all the videos they make are, are professionally produced, but they do it all themselves. They have this like insane DIY work ethic, and so even before COVID, they were going on Twitch and th- they were they were like having fundraising goals and just nailing it. And then when COVID happened, dude, they they've okay, so they do a fundraising goal, right? And it's it's usually like three thousand dollars a stream. They hit it every fucking time. Jesus, they make. And just donations, not bits, not fucking back end anything. And just donations, they're they're making three to three to forty five hundred dollars just because they have so many fans tuning in. Like on on Facebook, they'll have like six hundred people watching. On Twitch, they'll have like three hundred people watching. 
And then on YouTube, they'll probably have like, you know, like between six and 800 people watching. So they, they restream it to those three different platforms and they have a following on every platform. Jeez. And so and what they do, and this is even more amazing, is they incentivize their fans to give them money based on we're going to give 50% of these donations to a charity. And every week they're giving half of that three grand, which is $1,500 a week. To, to ACLU, you name it, like all types of different charities. They've raised since the pandemic started. I for charity, I think they've raised like 20 grand Jesus. or some fucking crazy. Yeah, like bless them. Bless so their I hearts. Saw what they, yeah, I saw what they were doing, and I'm like, dude, if if I'm just gonna try it out. And the first time I ever went live on Twitch, I got five hundred dollars in donations Jeez. the first time. It, it tapered off. Yeah, you know, it tapered off, but like people were excited to see me do like a live show but it wasn't at a venue it was on the internet and and when i did that i was like holy shit like you can go live on twitch and you could do the same shit you do on stage well it's a little different for me because i just use a loop machine yeah and and then i play along to pre-recorded tracks so it's not as cool as being in a band <laughs> but but it's like what i realized is it's like oh it's holy shit like I can do the same dumb shit I do on stage and I can do it on the internet and I don't have to drive six hours to get to a gig. I don't have to fucking sleep on somebody's floor. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was a huge, huge eye opening experience for me. I, I'm like, I'm like, dude, like when shows come back, how inclined am I going to be <laughs> to fucking drive six hours to play for a $200 guarantee that I have to split between two other band members. If I could just stay and play for people on the internet and fare way better, you mm -hmm. know, le le less fatigue, less miles on the van. I mean, I'm going to do it anyway. When gigs come back, I'm going to play because I just am addicted to that shit. I love being on stage, mm -hmm. but, but man, what a, what a crazy experience this has all been because yeah. once you, once you realize you don't need live gigs, it's like, it's like, why was I touring a hundred days out of the year for fucking 10 years if I didn't, you know, but, but Twitch wasn't around five, eight years ago and it might've been, but it's, it's a really large platform now, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Because, um, no, I, I, uh, I, I agree, man. And the more, more I talk to people, uh, cause a lot of Twitchers, man, it's interesting. There's a lot of Twitchers who weren't really gigging musicians and they just came on the Twitch cause it was fun and they like to play in their, I think like low key muke, uh, muke. I'm so sorry. I think low key uke is probably familiar with th that the, I, I don't know, actually, I'm not assuming I'm sorry, low key, but there's, there's, there's musicians on, uh, Twitch that weren't gigging, working full-time musicians who maybe just played in the room and just like to do it and have fun. It, it's surprising. Oh, yeah. um, but when you talk to the people who were like really did it and really gigged and really like, I mean, and, and you know, and this is perfect because like I, I have this little thing that I like to talk about is where, you know, you pack up your, your car or van and you set out to the gig, you get there fucking five hours early, you set up, you don't, and then you just sit there waiting to play. And then you get done at maybe two or whatever it is. And then you have to drive hours to the next one. 
or you drive home or whatever it is. And then you, if it's winter and if you're in Detroit, it's like 20 below zero and fucking you got to unload this fucking equipment at four in the morning, fucking half drunk, stoned or whatever, fucking carrying this bullshit into your house so it doesn't freeze in the fucking car. And, and I mean, every time yeah. I talk to it, it gets me fucking worked up because that's the part that sucks so bad. So when I talk to these people who come from the gigging touring world to Twitch, it's always the same thing. And my myself included, it's like, why? Yeah, it's awesome. Why? <laughs> why do but, that? I I will say, I miss being in a room with my friends making noise. I agree with you. Uh, and, but that being said, if COVID wasn't a thing, I would find a way to just stream fucking the full band. Yeah. Um. So right now, I'm just doing the best with what I can, and that and that's you know I got Adobe Premiere, I got. Logic Pro X. I got a couple of decent mics. I got a nice interface, and I'm just trying to be as creative as I can on the days I'm not super fucking depressed. And uh, and I try to go live three times a week on my Twitch channel. And you know, people have been very generous. It's like the the small little fan base that I've carved out over the years for what I do with Downtown Brown or you know my solo shit. Um, they've been just super fucking supportive and i'm just a really lucky dude that I, I'm, I'm able to get that support and get those you know get some of those views and people throw donations my way or bits or whatever it's just i feel just the fact that i've been able to survive off of it for however many months is uh it's like a godsend yeah you know i'm not a religious guy but i, I will use that term and i'm just yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. I every day is like I try I try to be as grateful as possible for all of the support that I have and for the fact that I've been able to survive and then it's like that gratitude, I try to use that as a weapon to fight off the the constant depression that comes from just being a, an aware human being in the internet age during this fucking political discourse and and this sea change of uh you know, just watching human beings evolve in real time on the internet, it 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 takes a lot out of you. It's true. It's stressful. And I'm not even in the street flying signs, man. Like I can't even imagine how taxing it is for the, the people who are marching every day. Yeah. Or or the or people that have to fucking go work at Trader Joe's every day. Like like I don't like man, everything's so fucked up right now. Yeah, man. No, I, what I, have you been? Have your sleep patterns been fucked up since this started? Oh yeah, I get terrible sleep lately. I oh, I got some good sleep last night, but I got I, I ate like I ate an edible. I got pretty baked and I just passed out. That's tight. But it's weird because I, I've been getting up like when the sun comes up lately. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll go to bed at like 10 p.m. and wake up at five. Yeah, uh, on these like old man hours. <laughs> uh, but it's like my girlfriend sleeps in. <clears throat> So I get like two or three hours of like dead silence in the morning so I can just like get caffeinated and do some internet shit, edit some video. I love that. I love that time. I, you know, I, I used to hate getting up early, as you probably did too. Musicians early is not a great time. Uh, but I've always been the early guy. Well, not me, <laughs> but lately, yeah. lately. Um, but it's I, I've learned to really appreciate those few hours of like because i'll wake up at 3 a.m sometimes and just be like fuck it i'm going 
And uh, yeah. I've learned to really appreciate those three hours or, or so, or however it is before everyone's awake, when the house is quiet. And I don't know, man, like it, first of all, I shouldn't be communicating with the outside world at that time. And unfortunately I get on Twitch and I am doing just that. And I am saying ridiculous things that I wouldn't say at a fully awake thing. But that aside, <laughs> I also get like a shit ton done. And like, it seems to be like some of the most creative hours for me is sort of when it's still dark and, and, and it's quiet. And, and I mean, part of that is just that it's quiet and you're by yourself, but I don't know. Like, do you, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like there's some kind of something there, you know, like there, do you think there's a, something kind of special there for creatives in, in the nighttime, especially in the, the late, late nighttime hours? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Well, this is the thing. Is I like as far as my productivity is concerned, it just hits at random times. Mm. Like there, there are like what you said. There are days where I'll wake up at three a.m. and I'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna start working on this project. Next thing I know, it's it's fucking like one p.m. the next day. <laughs> you know, you just get caught in these modes where you get kind of obsessed with what you're doing, and and I think it's different for everyone, but it, it can hit you literally at any time. Some people. That shit hits them at fucking midnight and they spend the entire night, you know, working on something. Me, me, I, I just like get up mad early and then I'm like jazzed to do a bunch of weird shit. And then I get super tired early. I, I'll like eat dinner at like 630 or 7 and I, I'm, I'm in bed by like 8 watching TV <laughs> just winding down, you know, that. but that's just my mode now. But I like there's been times where. I've been a weird in, insomniac. Like I was, I was like living in a basement, so I never knew when the sun was up or not. So I'd, <laughs> I'd sleep, you know, I'd sleep like four hours like during the day, and then I'd like wake up and work on shit until like late, late at night, and then I'd get like, like, I, I, did, did you ever hear where they talked about uh, who was the really smart motherfucker? Was it Edison that would like sleep yeah, two like hours? yeah like and, and yeah. people some people do like 20 minute increments and then on the top of every hour prince never slept a whole lot either well from yeah. my understanding i'm not saying i'm like any of those people because those are like mad geniuses i'm just you know some dude all i'm trying but. to say is that i'm fucking sweet like prince <laughs> oh no um yeah no it's not the, 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 I don't know, man, the sleep thing is fucks with me. And, and the, the depression thing, I, I was just curious, like, you know, like through, since the beginning of this is like, I've always had the, the deal with depression, but since the, the beginning of this, there's just been this low key. And I feel like this is probably pretty universal for a lot of people out there that are, you know, dealing with the pandemic and trying to wrap their fucking head around it. But is this, uh, just this feeling, just this, just melancholy, Dep just this low level depressive state that can go up or down at any given day or yeah, nothing moment. matters. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in, in I, that in that sense, but like just there's this low level hum that I feel and I usually have that anyways, but it just seems like it's a yeah. it's just a little bit elevated, but I don't oh, know. Yeah. How do you how do you sort of how do you try to manage those ups and downs? Uh, especially during the pandemic. Well, well I have a therapist um, but I haven't talked to her in a minute and pretty much she's taught me her mode has been for me to weapon weaponize gratitude and a way to kind of use it as, as a sword to fight off the, the negative feelings. But, but fuck yesterday, 
you know, I'm grateful for a, a million things and I'm a really lucky person. And I'm well aware of that. But there's some days where it's just, I'm just don't want to do anything. I I feel a motivated. Uh, I feel like things are hopeless. And, and then I go online and it gets worse because I'm just like watching everybody fight. And I'm watching all these, like, I'm watching like these, these, you know, Twitch streamer political debates and everyone's screaming at each other. And I'm just like, it, it, it weighs on you. A lot of my friends are in the activist community in Detroit. And I see, I feel, cause I'm out here. I feel almost guilty that I can't be with them. And then, then I asked myself, even if I was out there, would I be with them? And the answer is if I was in contact with my mother, probably not because I don't want to be around, you know, fucking hundred people shouting. Yeah. You know, some of them mass, some of them not mass. And then like, I don't want to get my mom sick. So there's just, there's like all these different levels of guilt. Like I feel guilt just for going to the grocery store because I see that the person like wearing a mask behind the counter and they have to fucking bag groceries for eight, 10 hours a day. And they're not getting paid hazard pay, mm. you know? I, and, and so I just, I, I just accumulate all these things and I can't really like my girlfriend's like, what are you depressed about? I can't put my finger on it. I'm just depressed. Everything's fucking terrible. I'm sad, you know? Yeah. And as far as combating it, I, I, the way I, I just look at it like a dark cloud and some days I just have to give up and let the dark cloud just like rain on me for a little bit. And then I'll go to sleep and like, I feel a little bit better today than I did yesterday. Mm -hmm. But yesterday was one of those dark cloud days where I'm just like, Ugh, everything's fucking terrible. And then you go online you're like, everything's fucking terrible. And then you get off your phone and you're just like, I don't feel like doing anything. And then you get mad at yourself because you're not doing anything. Yeah. Like, oh, there's all these projects I should be working on. I'm working on, you know, engineering this one song. I got to cut vocals for this one song. And like, I have this video to make. I have to schedule these podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And then you don't do anything. And then you, there's just guilt. You just beat yourself up for being not productive. But then people say, it's okay. It's okay to take a self-care day and not be productive. But but people like me, if I'm not constantly doing something, I get mad at myself. I tell myself, I'm, you're fucking lazy, you know? There's no balance. There's no balance. <laughs> That's a... No, and, 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 you know, there wasn't a whole lot of balance even when life was normal. Yeah. I've always... It's been a fucking roller coaster ever, ever since I got into my 20s. When I was in my... Like, when I was a teenager, I was a fucking happy guy. I was on top of the world. I was popular. I got good grades. I like, you know, played sports. I played in a punk rock band. I was like, you know, I had friends. I had fun all the time. I was like constantly drawing. Uh, I was like, yeah, I was really, yeah, I, I structured my high school classes to where all I had was art and music classes. Nice. Like, it's so easy. <laughs> and Man. then I got out in the real world and that's when anxiety and depression really set in. It's like, it's like they were like waiting for me to actually try and live in the real world before they, they reared their ugly heads. And they're just like, Oh, I didn't know what it was until like, Oh five. I didn't know that I was depressed and anxious until like probably like four or five years into being depressed and anxious. Holy shit. Wow. Look, and, and it's been there ever since. <laughs> no, it took me, it took, I mean, it took me like 15, 20 years <laughs> to figure it out. You know what I mean? It took me like years of burning bridges and, and drunken nights. And uh, the one, oh, yeah. a lot of the things, one of the things that definitely resonate with when I hear you talking about your glory days and 
uh, is having to wake up the next morning and do the apology tour and fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you were a fucking asshole. Yeah, you grabbed my girlfriend's tits, you son of a bitch. You know, no, nah, I never did that, but uh, I might have. Ugh, no, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't that horrible. Um, I kind of was with my friends. If they were my friends and they were my girls, my not my girls. That sounds horrible. Uh, what I would say is that if they were my friends, I would get drunk and get a little lewd, and and it was inappropriate. And I don't, I I hate that part of my life, but it happened. Um, so I don't know. Well, like, when, you, when you lower your inhibitions, you become essentially a cave person, yeah. and you you will do shit when you're loaded on booze, and and even. Uh, fucking. What are they called? What What's the the class of drug? Opiates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, op opiates will will make you. Well, they'll make you more like not out than anything. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever like the only time I ever snorted oxycotton. I went to. Well, first of all, when it first hit, when I took that first bump, I was like, I want to feel like this forever, right? And <laughs> and that's when I knew that. I can't like I I've eaten a lot of Vicodin, but the only time I ever like fucked with something as strong as Oxy, I was I was like, dude, <laughs> I was like, if like you're gonna ruin. I remember my mom offered me she get she got she had some sort of like a surgery where she got a bunch of, she got a bottle of OxyContin, and she she said your back hurts. Why don't you have these? And I'm just like, no. I'm like, you get rid of those. You fucking take them away from me. But. Cause I already like had struggled with the alcohol and I knew that with some like Oxycontin it would just get worse. But yeah, I, I feel bad. I feel like I, I, um, I interrupted you, but yeah, oh, the, no, the, no, no. the inhibitions like, yeah, you become a different person when you're fucked up. And that's why, that's why you see a lot of these like intervention TV shows. Like my girlfriend loves watching intervention. And when I watch it, it just makes me feel fucking terrible because I like can see myself in, in mm -hmm. all of these people. And my girlfriend's like, this is really interesting. And I'm just like, this is like watching my life, but like over and over again. A, a lot of these humans like were way worse off than I was even at my drunkest. But it's like, it, it's not like I watch that show and I'm just like, oh, I feel great now. I just watch someone fucking ruin their life and cry in front of their family and suffer. And then, and then nine times out of 10 with that show, they fucking relapse. Yeah. Like, like the show ends and then a little text bubble will come up and it'll say you know laura relapsed after the left uh recovery after two days yeah and then and then so you at the end of every episode you feel like all of this hope yeah but then like literally 30 seconds later that hope is just decimated you're just like oh so they didn't get help and then you, you're like let's watch another episode honey it's like i don't know man that show's fucking rough yeah it's not funny it's not entertaining it's not fun. It hurts to mm. watch that shit. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, and and I feel that. Uh, I I feel you on that. And and for me, it's like I've I've I I dislike that part of me so much. Even though sometimes I catch myself glorifying that part of me a lot. Uh, but uh, the good the good parts, of the, the good fun parts. parts, the fun parts, right? Um, but yeah, but. Few and far between if you've been at it for a while. Exactly. And and to I don't know, I, I'm just my tolerance for that as well for other people who are in the midst of that has gone down. Like I am very compassionate when it comes to addiction for people who really want to get help and I would totally be there for somebody. 
But it's yeah. just like, you know, I mean, you know what it's like to be at a bar and playing and some drunk guy's like two inches from your face yelling fucking Freebird or whatever the fucking thing is. I hate drunk people. Yes, I know. <laughs> so I it's hate the wrong word, but I, I am I am highly annoyed by belligerent drunk people, Me especially too. after I stopped drinking, which was in 08. And but uh, and this might sound like kind of a dickhead thing to say, but as a frontman of a band, the drunkest, loudest, most idiotic person in the audience is always the funnest person to make a part of the show. And, and so I became like, like belligerent drunk people annoy the crap out of me, but I always would, if they, if they started being unruly and belligerent i'd even bring them on stage and have them say stuff into the microphone like i that i always as a front person of the band would take that upon myself well i think that's a it's like um it's like when a comic is is trying to you know subvert a a, a heckler right you're trying to exactly. instead instead same, of same thing yeah instead of instead of ruining the show ruining the vibe oh yeah go do your thing but yeah, totally. I agree with that shit, man. I mean, instead of ruining the vibe, why just just fucking make it part of the show? And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I was seeing that with uh, people with chat too. How um, how when people come in and try to heckle and chat, it's like they don't really uh, you don't address it. You just keep it going and, and just let them fade into the background. Um, no, addressing hecklers is like. You need to address the hecklers because that makes for a better show, I think. Well, well, for you, for you, um, honestly, yeah. like, like I was, I, I just started talking to the chat real quick while you're adjusting. Oh, so, okay, so, sorry. But I was talking about how hecklers in chat, you know, like sometimes the best thing is just let your mods take care of it and just, just fucking keep rocking. Oh yeah. Uh, but like, There's a lot of if you watch Hassan uh, Piker's chat, Hassan. he's just getting screamed. He he's getting screamed at the whole time. He's like, he's like a a leftist Twitch streamer, political Twitch streamer. Oh. He's really popular. Okay, they call him woke. Daddy. No, they call him woke Bay. He's woke Bay. According <laughs> to the internet, I have yeah a lot a lot of a lot of people find him very attractive. Oh, but um, but but man, his his chat is so toxic because a lot of right wingers will go on there, and they'll just. They'll try to troll him the entire time. You you see just like all this like Pepe the Frog spam constantly. Yeah. Well, the I don't, I don't, go ahead, go ahead. Well, there's this guy named Wake the Beast who I fucking absolutely love. It's this black dude who just gets on there and he and he has these like really uh, in depth conversations about race and 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 gender and and he's one of those guys who like he's like stand up and be heard and, and embrace your masculinity uh you know like he, he's very but he's he, he's like gentleman when he addresses chat it's like gentlemen and ladies you know but like he he's it, it, it's a show for men meditations for men is the name of the show it's fucking dope but it's just that's gonna be attractive. Like that, that. What I like about his chat is that he doesn't shut it down when people come in and start saying like rude or or semi racist things. People try to be respectful, for, but there are trolls who are just terrible, awful human beings out there. But oh yeah, he's he respects it even if it's like. And you know why? It's because the Jews. <laughs> and, and it's just like okay, I'm gonna time you out, but this is why. And and we're not gonna have any kind of slander shit, but let's talk about it. It's probably because whoever raised you taught you that, and then or or maybe you had a, a thing. And he just like you know he goes through it in a way that's very like 
rational. And I think that's a lot of what we're missing today is that there's no kind of rational discussion. And I saw what you're saying, Snoozebue, and, 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 you know, I, and I was definitely directly re referencing what happened earlier in chat in this conversation um, and that I, I actively just ignored it because I didn't want to bring it up. I, I didn't actually get a chance to read why he got <laughs> timed out. But, you know, I... You know, I let my mods take care of it, and that's fine. But I do, I do find it interesting to talk to people who have these like very opposite ideas of mine, and I, I find that it's, it is like a very, I mean, for me, it's refreshing. Like I had a Trump supporter who's like one of my really good friends on a couple weeks ago, and Chat hated him, and they still hate him, and I still hear things about how much they hate him. But it's like, but he's still like my really good friend. And this idea that we have to, like, cut out all these people who don't agree with us. Well, first of all, it's ridiculous because if you're talking about Trump, could you, anybody who voted for Trump, I'm cutting out my life. I'm unfollowing. I'm unfriending them. I'm moving out of my yeah. neighborhood. I'm taking my kids out of school. I'm fucking, you know, I'm not letting my kids ride the bus because I'm sure the bus driver. The thing is, is, like, if you cut out all the people who vote for Trump, you're cutting out a good majority of the population. And that doesn't make sense. Like you're the teacher who teaches your kid might be a Trump supporter. The bus driver might be, as you know, you don't know who these people are to, to, to just cut the conversation off to, to, to say that because you voted for this guy, that you're a terrible human being. You have no fucking right to speak on anything is only pushing people into the arms of extremism. And, um, uh, and, and I mean, that's why we're in this position in the first place is, is that, uh, there is a lot of conversations being shut down. I don't know. Can you? I don't, I don't know. Can you speak on that? I mean, what what is your opinion on 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 sort I mean, of? I, got some, I have some friends on social media and in real life that are right wingers that are Trump supporters, but they're not outwardly racist. But a lot of people will argue that if you support Trump, you're just a racist just by default. Right. So it's one of those things where you got to kind of deal with things on a case by case basis. If if there's a Trump supporter in your chat that is straight up being a racist mm -hmm. and and is being hateful and I don't know, like no, no, they go. Anybody who says anything racist, what, fuck you, get I'm out. Saying. I didn't get to but read if, if, someone, <laughs> if someone just has like opposing ideas, but they're not a total <laughs> dick about it, yeah, let's have a discussion. Like I'm I'm a pretty open minded dude. Yeah. And, and I'm always down to, to see how people who are not on my side of things see things. But, you know, I posted this reaction video where my girlfriend and I just were reacting to the Phil from Pantera in some of his antics. Oh, shit. Does and, he do things online? Uh, well, I mean, he, he not that he did things online, but there is that footage of him when he just got up in front of the audience and screamed white power and did a Nazi salute. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. That all yeah, that. that that happened. Yeah. And so, so we just did like a reaction video and we plopped it on YouTube. And what's insane is regardless of his actions and how they come across is how many Pantera fans are, are just like ready to fucking fight people about how that guy who screamed white power isn't racist. <laughs> and I don't know what the full context of him screaming white power was, mm -hmm. but let's just put it this way. If if you're a Pantera fan, you're gonna side with that guy. At least that's that's what I'm gathering from the amount of YouTube comments that are just like, ah, like, how dare you? And, and, and what's funny too is this was during a stream, right? So it's just it, it it's lazy content. It isn't like we did a whole lot of research. We're <laughs> reacting 
And then we plopped it on YouTube because we knew it would get some views. We put Phil in the thumbnail. We knew it would get some views. I'm trying to build my YouTube channel. Uh, so sue me. But either way, <laughs> like what's hilarious is every day my phone pings with another fucking Phil from Pantera supporter just being like, you got it all wrong, brother. He's not racist. He was making a joke when he screamed white power and did the Nazi salute. And I'm just like, I'm like, but I, I don't argue. I just kind of read and I'm mm -hmm. like, wow. These human beings are very passionate, mm -hmm. and uh, and I don't, you know, I stopped listening to Pantera a, a while back. Uh, I when I was in middle school, I thought it was really brutal, heavy music, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But then I saw Down play live mm -hmm. at, at Ozfest like '03, and Phil got on stage. <laughs> this is why I stopped listening to Pantera is because I'm just like, this guy's a douche, regardless of whether or not his views on race or anything is. He he's he started the song. And then he stopped it. And this was in front of like, what, four, five, six thousand people. And he's just like, oh, you guys aren't feeling it enough. Like, granted, <laughs> it's in the middle of the summer in the Michigan heat at, at Pine Knob or fucking DT, whatever you want to call it. And it's blacktop. You know, it, <laughs> yes. they're playing in the parking lot and people aren't fucking moshing hard enough. So he stopped the whole set. And he's like, we're going to start that one over again. <laughs> and then. He did that three more times. <laughs> he started the song, stopped, told everyone they weren't going hard enough. And he started, and I'm just like, wow, I don't like this guy anymore. And that was before all of the fucking white power shit and all of the, the, the arguably racist behavior. I'm just like, wow, I don't really like this guy. And so every time I like listen to Pantera after that, there's uh, a song um, on Far Beyond Driven where he's like, I fucked your girlfriend last. <laughs> Right. And I'm listening to that. I'm like, wow, this is like just kind of tacky. It's like, it's like I remember listening to Dr. Dre 2001 in like the late 90s, that the one that had Eminem on it. Yeah. Fucking, uh, 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 now, I got something to say, but nothing comes out when it moves. It's just about gibberish. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, like in 99 or 2000, when that album came out, I was like, this is fucking fire. But like, I remember listening to it probably 10 years later in like 2010 and it's just fucking the misogyny and <laughs> everything about there's a skit there's a skit on dr dre 2001 where he's like oh oh he's like having sex with a chick and he's like oh i'm coming i'm nothing he's like all over your face and she's like i'm ready and i'm just like listening to this i'm like i'm like I don't like this anymore. And and I don't think I don't think I've gotten pruder in my older age. I just think I'm different. I just don't I, like I'm not a, a little teenage boy anymore being like, yeah, this is the shit. He's doing a skit about coming on some girl's face. Oh, I nutted. I just nutted. It's, it exists. If you get Dr. Great 2001, if you stream it, there's there's a fucking there's a track on the album called like porn or something. It's called sex or something like that. And it's just a skit of him nutting on some girl's face. <laughs> and, and like the point I'm trying to make with all of this is you could, you can enjoy things and then you can look back at them like, and realize that there wasn't a whole lot enjoyable about it. Or, and, and also like you were talking about separating art from the artist. I, I have a hard time doing that with Phil from Pantera because I mm. like after that whole like you guys aren't rocking hard enough. <laughs> I just it kind of killed it for me. Like, and uh, you know, 
I, 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 I don't know. It just kind of killed it for me. I just don't, I don't, I like, okay. Cowboys from hell. That's an amazing song. Yeah. I'll listen to that song every time it comes on because cemetery gates all, though. I mean, come on cemetery gates. Yeah, no, like those songs are amazing. And Phil back in the day was an amazing vocalist, but I, I, I just, it does shit. This doesn't speak to me. Listening to Dr. Dre, like faux nutting on a woman's face. It doesn't really speak to me anymore. I'd rather listen to like David Bowie. <laughs> Yo, the, a lot I don't of, know. No, no, no. I feel you. A lot, a lot of those like old early 2000s stuff. Like when you watch like, like that, that the Eminem just didn't age well with, with, with just how identity politics have taken over the mainstream. That shit doesn't age well. <laughs> But I love his first record. Oh my god, I uh, love dude. Dude, I love. It. You know what? Can you can you talk about uh, first two records, dude? When uh that hook in the very beginning of the Marshall Mathers LP, the, the you don't want to fuck, fuck with, with shady, cause shady. shady. Well, I tell you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Like he had that beef with ICP, right. but his first two albums, Eminem's first two albums, were just as outlandish and cartoony mm-hmm. as any icp album so for him to have that much of a beef with those guys i think it's funny because chopping your nugget with a hatchet is not much different than shady will fucking kill you it's the same thing like except except you know eminem didn't dress up in clown makeup but it's all it's so cartoony right like it it was outlandish it was yeah and that's what made it fun because it didn't take itself too seriously i think when eminem started getting really on that, like, you know, you can better yourself. And, uh, you know, I was at a real low place and I, it, there's no way to look but up. Like that whole, like, motivational speaker, Eminem's, like, mm-hmm. kind of genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love Eminem, man. He's, yeah. like, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Right, for uh, sure. But, but well, definitely those first two albums, he was talking about, like, just doing tons of drugs and, and killing his wife. And it just, right. it was, like, way over the top. Oh, and absolutely. That's, but but Dr. Dre, it felt a little bit more into that, like the the gangster mold, uh, you know, just opening up a forty ounce and spraying it on a bunch of chicks. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think that aged very well. <laughs> None of you, even in the gin and juice video, there's a or it, or it's a Dre Day in the Dre Day video. There's literally a scene in the video where he and Snoop Dogg just open up forties and they just pour them on these chicks. <laughs> it's like i don't know i don't know if that would fly i mean that was the 90s i don't know if it would fly now probably well i don't know maybe it would i mean that wop video pretty intense but it's a lot of moisture but there's a woman it's a woman it's a it's a woman doing it it's not a guy doing it so it's okay the script is flipped flipped. go ahead and we uh my girlfriend and i did a reaction on stream for the WAP video because she hadn't seen it and we posted that on YouTube and got a bunch of comments like the people are so angry if you uh we're just laughing we're like this is amazing yeah like we were in we're and then we watched the Ben Shapiro footage where he is going over the lyrics have you seen that shit um no I haven't no I didn't see Ben Shapiro's breakdown of it but I but I do like Ben Shapiro's breakdowns of stuff Shapiro's reading the lyrics to WAP and he he said and he's saying wet ass p word p word <laughs> he doesn't swear up. He, no because he doesn't swear he even he says beat it up n word <laughs> like, <laughs> uh dude it, you I, gotta find it online it's fucking classic no. so we 
it's we react to that and there's people in the comments that are just like you don't understand <laughs> you don't understand what ass pussy <laughs> like we were having a blast it's so weird it's like you can go online and just and just like have fun and laugh at stuff and people will just tell you how stupid you are it's, 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 i hate it's, you for doing that you son of a bitch Dude, the, yeah, it's like he's like, no, no, you. Of of course, Cardi B can do the split. She was a stripper, you fucking idiot. And I don't know what Cardi B can do. I I was just commenting on on how impressive it was that she was that flexible, dude. I mean, I I personally fucking appreciate some hot ass chicks fucking talking about wet pussy. I'm cool with it. Like, I have no qualms with watching hot ass chicks shake their asses around and talk about wet pussy. Personally, I appreciate that. I mean, as a man who appreciates the female form, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, but well, I would it's, go ahead. It, it's like uh, you know who Anthony Fantano is the the needle drop, the melon, the guy that does a music review on YouTube. No, bald guy, glasses. No, no, he's he's like the most famous music reviewer on the internet. Oh. Uh, either way, the, his, his take on it is just like, dude, how how long have we been hearing about? You know, rappers being like, I beat that pussy up. You know, Lil Wayne talks about beating pussy up in like 900 different metaphors. <laughs> and it's like, why would you be offended if that got flipped around? And it's just, it's indicative. It's indicative of the uh, just rampant misogyny, you know, because it, it, like you'll straight up cheer when a guy's talking about beating up pussy. But if a, if a woman is rapping about, her sexual desires and fantasies and, and being empowered in doing so, you know, like Ben Shapiro is, he just, he's like offended by it. A lot of people were like super offended by it. And, and so I showed it to my girlfriend and she's just like, this is awesome. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. Fuck it. I was yeah, laughing the whole time with a boner. I was laughing with a boner. It was great. We're having fun. Um, I was just curious because you you do you, your band does have some connections with uh, ICP, correct? You guys didn't you guys collaborate or is that did I get that all wrong? We did a track with them in 2012, and we played the gathering twice, <laughs> and then we we opened for them three times. Okay, and was one so, of those in Toledo? One of them was at Headliners in the big room in Toledo. That's and that I, was 20. That was 2011. Never mind, that wasn't it. <laughs> I was like, because I've, I know I've seen, and I, I, oh, I swear to God, it was with ICP, but or maybe a band called Lollipop Lust Kill. Dude, I was so shit faced back then. It doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, oh yeah, well, I don't think we ever played with Lollipop, but they were one of those big local Toledo like new metal bands. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, it was just one of those. I think it was one of those weird Frankie shows where I just uh, end up there. Fucking magnets. How do they work? Oh. Uh, question for the guests. How do magnets work? It's science. Science, Snooze Mew. Science. Anyways, but, I was... Uh, oh, go ahead. Shaggy two, in that song, Shaggy 2 Dope will be like, I don't want to talk to a scientist. They all lie and getting me pissed, you know? <laughs> they but, all... But, but, you know, that like that whole takeaway on, on ICP, like, that's the most famous, like, ICP meme that people who, that don't know... I. I knew like the thing is ICP was just a local Detroit thing in the in the early nineties. And the first time I ever heard him was in ninety-four. Yeah, like ninety-five, ninety-six, right? Like I, I was starting to hear about him. I am pretty sure. I mean, maybe I was too young. They were like maybe Toledo was one of the first Toledo was one of the first clown towns even before yeah, uh, the East Side it, was it, nothing but the East Side was nothing yeah. but juggalos, bro. 
Because <laughs> yeah. the term juggalo didn't even come around till like 98 after Malenko came so out. That had to have been when that came, I came into it. Because it wasn't like I was a fan yeah. of them, but my friends all loved them and stuff. So anyway. We just, when, I, when I was a freshman in high school, we listened to them on tape. <laughs> and this was in 95. Yeah, this was 95. And my friends and I just started smoking weed. And we would get high and listen to Carnival of Carnage, the 1992 first ICP album, the first Joker's card. And we would just, we would like be on the floor laughing so hard because so, so much of the lyrics, it's just so outlandish. Like, it, like you know how I was saying Slim Shady was arguably just as outlandish? Yes. I would say ICP is a little more outlandish than I would the agree. first Slim Shady album. Yeah. But, but it still was like, you you didn't take anything they said really too seriously, just like you didn't take Eminem seriously when he was talking about killing people. And, you know, it just was like for comedic value. And it was just over the top for the sake of being over the top. And and that's why Eminem has the Slim Shady moniker, too, because he's like, yo, he's like, this is just this is a part of my personality that I get out through song where I could say the most fucked up shit. It's not actually me. Right. But it's a, it's a persona. But, but yeah, yeah, we, I, you know, we, the last gig we played with ICP was in 2014. So it's been about six years and the Juggalos never really got downtown Brown. And that makes sense because downtown Brown's a weird pill to swallow for anyone, like even a Juggalo or a metal fan or a normie, like you got to have kind of an open mind. And so, but what was cool is they kept asking us to do shit. And we kept saying yes, because what were we going to do? Say no to playing the Gathering of the Juggalos? Like, I remember people be like, why are you doing that? You're going to tarnish your reputation. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, <laughs> dude, our, rep our reputation was already that we were this goofy fucking weird rock band that played all, you know, like we didn't, we didn't have much of a reputation. We, we used to like fire cheeseburgers at the audience. So <laughs> fuck no, my yeah, favorite is karate yeah. dancing. Okay, guys, it's time to karate dance. And then you see the whole crowd yeah. just doing karate dance. I would lost my fucking shit. That was yeah. that was a beautiful. That was beautiful, man. Yeah, because uh, we were just we were making fun of those scene kids. Cause a lot a lot of like in 07 or whatever, when like between 05 and 07, the MySpace like scene bands got mm -hmm. really big. And then we just kind of made fun of that shit. <laughs> then we and, made uh, fun of it. <laughs> But yeah. but I was interested. I mean, well, I, I I brought up ICP because I was just interested. Said you guys work together. I, I know that doesn't make you guys like best friends. It doesn't mean that you're texting Shaggy every day asking how he's doing. But I was just curious on why the fuck? Why was there that beef between fucking M and fucking and the uh, and the ICP? Oh, they talk about it extensively, and in uh, Eminem doesn't really talk about it. No, but. But the, the brief version of it is back in Detroit before Eminem got discovered by Dr. Dre, he would go to the shelter in St. Andrews Hall where ICP knew all the security and ICP would work there. And ICP did all their shows at St. Andrews Hall mm. like like before they started doing the bigger venues and before ICP really got a lot of steam. It was doing like State Theater, Fillmore, mm. bigger venues. But it's all Live Nation. It's all owned by the same people. And Eminem was passing out a flyer that had ICP's name on it as a special guest at his CD release party, but he never asked ICP to play the show, A, or B, 
ICP never said, yeah, we're going to perform at your release party. So they actually, that's where the beef started because ICP actually like was given a flyer by Eminem and they weren't in their makeup. And they're just like, what is this shit? <laughs> and, and then some years went by and Eminem got signed and got big. And I'm pretty sure one of them made a diss track first. I think ICP made a diss track first where they, they made fun of my name is mm. and they called him they called him Slim Anus. Yeah, I remember that. And, and so like, yeah, so Eminem was a little weird in the beginning, and then ICP made a diss track, I believe. And then there's a skit on the Marshall Mathers LP where Shaggy and Violent J are sucking each other off or whatever. Uh on the second Eminem album. And then it it got to a point where it just blew up. Even more Eminem's, I guess some of Eminem's homies actually like shot at some ICP employees Jesus. at one point. Um, when we saw the Up and Smoke tour, Eminem actually brought out these blow up dolls with clown makeup on and said like, "ICP could suck my dick," and then threw the like. So it just it just escalated, mm. and and uh, Violent J actually talks about it in like I've I've listened to his audio book. I'm a huge ICP. <laughs> I'm a huge. <laughs> I love everything about ICP. That's awesome. uh, I don't listen to their, I don't listen to their music, but the lore and their story. Yeah, it doesn't and- get better than that. It doesn't get better than the the lore behind it. It's, you know who uh, Acoustic Hookah has something? Not I know it's completely different, but the, how they have I know yeah. ICP went a little bit further than Hookah did, but like for that lore of a band and and like the the sort of the 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 stories behind it. But please, I'm sorry to interrupt just to make that Hookah reference, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean Every band's got some lore. I mean, yeah, there's downtown sure. lore for sure. There's like well, there's getting kicked off of Warp Tour is part of that lore, which is interesting. Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> you know what? What's crazy is we got booted from Warp Tour in 07 because we were being drunk and disorderly, and one of our one of our band members at the time was a pretty volatile guy that got us in a lot of trouble. But I was too drunk to stop it. But what's funny is. So I'm playing with HR, the Bad Brains guy, and we're doing this like Hollywood fundraiser in 2019. And like the dude, the bass player from like No Doubt was there and, and like Bob Odenkirk, who plays Better Call Saul, was yeah. like in the audience. Oh, like cool. Moby was there. So it's all these fucking, <laughs> there's all these Hollywood people. But then there's the dude, the Warp Tour guy. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey, he's like, you did a good job up there with HR. And I'm just like, you kicked me off. I didn't say this, but in my brain, I'm like, you're the guy that kicked us off Warp Tour in 2007. <laughs> I said, hey, I'm in that band Downtown Brown. We played Warp Tour, and he he gave me this whole like, oh, yeah, you guys were great. And I'm mm. like, I'm just thinking, dude, you literally single handedly like you were there removing us. All of his, all of his fucking cronies kept calling us bra, bra, <sighs> bra. Like you, you guys don't even know where your van is, bro. You guys are so drunk, bro. Get the fuck out of here, bro. They were like taking our gear and throwing it in the parking lot. Like we got kicked <laughs> off of work. <laughs> you were literally kicked the fuck off. And he was there. He's the one that's like, you guys are out of here. And it's so funny because uh, that happened in 2007, and then 12 years later in 2019, that guy's like, oh yeah, you guys were great. He just didn't remember. He right. didn't remember us. Right. But it, but it was, it was cute because I, I was all high on edibles, and my, my girlfriend was there. I'm like, that's the guy that kicked us off Warp Tour. She's like, wow, he seemed really nice. Uh, it, it was just, it was one of those moments, uh, those full circle moments. But, but, but I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. Did you got? Do yeah. you, do you think that you guys deserve to get kicked off, or do you think that? Yeah. 
Okay. That's 100%. Oh, okay. Our, a guy in our band was smoking a cigarette in, in line for catering. And <laughs> a warp store, a, you know, because, you know, people are sensitive about cigarette smoke. Of course, and, especially around food. Especially if you're in line waiting to eat. And we're drunk as fuck, and it's midday. And we're already, like, we're already like well on our way to blackout. And this warp tour employee guy said, Hey, can you put out your cigarette? And the guy who was in my band at the time, he I haven't talked to him in over a decade. I, I cut all ties with him. He uh he took a hit of his cigarette and he blew it in the warp tour guy's face. <sighs> so warp tour guy fucking decks him, oh. and then cigarette guy decks him back. They start fighting. And uh, we had gotten in trouble earlier for for cutting a hole in one of the warp tour tents because there was this like torrential downpour, and you know those you know those like circus style tents that yeah. you'll see at festivals where they like cover all the gear. Mm-hmm. The uh, the actual tent part of it, whether it's made of vinyl or something, it was like starting to sag because there was all this water collecting. Yeah, so. So cigarette guy, this was like maybe two hours previous and we weren't as drunk. Cigarette guy cuts a hole in the tent and like takes a garbage can, lets all the water out. And he, he essentially like saved our gear. Mm. But Warp Tour guy was like, you're out of here just for that. Yeah. He's like, you're out of here. You cut a hole in my tent. He's like, no, we had to save the gear. There was a big, he's like, so we begged him. He's like, all right, uh, the next Warp Tour stop, you guys are going to get there early and you're going to patch up this tent. Oh, and we're like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for not kicking us off Warp Tour. So. When he, when my band guy, the cigarette guy, punched a Warp Tour employee, and then the main guy of Warp Tour came and saw it was us, he's like, "You guys again? <laughs> You're out of here!" So yeah, in in one day we we damaged Warp Tour property, and then we punched a Warp Tour employee. And I say we because you know. If you're a band, it might as well have been all of us. Mm. I know our bass player at the time was sober, and he was just like. It was like being on Warp Tour, like getting invited to do multiple dates on Warp Tour was like the biggest thing that had ever happened to us. And when we got kicked off like five days into our seven or eight days, it just he like he wasn't in the band much longer. Let's just put it that way. He he was done with us. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, dude, like if 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 you're gonna get invited on some like big tour, don't break shit and don't punch the employees. That's and don't and don't get super blacked out and like run around naked. Like just don't, just don't. And that's part of the lore of downtown Brown. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's all real. Like I, that's that actually happened. Crazy. The downtown Brown lore. I'm well. Fun is terrible. I, I actually, you know, talking about like ICP and like Slim Shady and just um, and how big how big of a reaction so many people had to this music. Um, you know, to the point where they're sending their kids to like reforms, uh, church reform school for watching South Park and listening to Eminem. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. well, I mean, like, I mean, you remember how, how, I mean, I mean, think about like, remember fucking Al Gore and, and, and they were taking fucking people to task for, uh, f- was it fuck the police or was it Ice T where he's like, yeah, yeah that, that was uh, Tipper Gore and that was the, <clears throat> yes, uh, I called the, the PMRC. And Tipper Gore was uh, on some sort of legislational task force where they, yeah, they were going to war against people like Ice T, mm-hmm. Body Count, right. the song Cop Killer, right. and then they had, then they had D 
Snyder, Frank Zappa, right. and John Denver of all people, like actually like spoke in Congress to say, "Hey, this is just art." But but they ended up winning, and they and they put that big parental advisory sticker right. on all the tapes, CDs. But th- but that's the thing about that sticker is when I was a kid, <laughs> I wanted to buy every yes. single album that had that sticker on it because it I wanted to want hear. More. Yeah. I wanted to hear the butthole surfers and I wanted to hear the sex pistols and I wanted to hear fucking, uh, you know, like two live crew. I, I wanted to hear all that nasty yeah. shit because when, when you're a little white kid in the suburbs and everything is super boring, you, you want to like explore some nastiness, yeah. you know, whether it's, like, whether it's like a white zombie album or, or, you know, NWA yeah. or fucking body count, ice tea, ice cube. Well, all that shit. I mean, and and so you remember that. So you remember how how much that you know Marilyn Manson and even Emin- and ICP especially. I mean Disney, fuck you, the whole Disney debacle. Do you remember people so- were people were afraid of Marilyn Manson? They thought he was yes. legitimately evil. Yeah, which is like they were blaming know, him man. for Columbine for, for he was blaming oh, him yeah. for for kids shooting up a school and Eminem, yeah. and and so all of that. Do you remember that? That rhetoric, it seemed to me, all came from the stringent right, right? Like that update, uh, this, this uptight religious right. And I guess why I'm bringing all of this up is well, how, I don't know. Is, is, is Tipper was Tipper Gore? Tip, was that was that a was that a was were they Republican? Al Gore? Oh no, Al Gore was Democrat. Democrat. Yeah, I don't you're know. Right. Either way, it's just out of touch. Fucking right. You know, like she. She would have been considered a Karen at the time. Exactly. I guess. I but guess it was before Karen. So I, you could go on. Go on with the question. No, no, no. Well, what I was saying was is how political it was. Let's just keep it out of right or left because obviously that was just shit out the window. But something that I just sort of was kicking around in my head of how ironic it is that censorship has kind of come back around again. And now music oh, yeah. is getting is under fire again. Art is under fire again. Comedians are under fire again. But this time, it just seems like it's it, it, it's like a cultural rejection. You know what I mean? And and whereas before it was yeah. sort of this politically imposed sanction where they were like trying to control. Now it's sort of this cultural thing that's sort of I don't know flipped on itself. And now, you know, people are not allowed to say things, certain things, and 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 and. It, it, and, you know, we were kind of talking about how, like, music tends not to age. Some of it doesn't age well. But yeah. there's also people making music or making art now that, 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 that are commenting and, and still commenting on the culture and still making a valid contribution culturally, but still getting sort of shut down and, and sort of, you know, excluded. I, I was just... Uh, Wondering what your thoughts are on that and how this has sort of turned into sort of a cultural rejection of art in some ways um, and censorship, especially. I don't know if I it's, if I frame that very well, but no, I like it, it. It just gives me a lot to think about. It's a tough one because you're right. Like it was it was definitely the people that were going against the the bad stuff back in the 90s were like some out of touch politicians mm. and, and parents that thought that that oh this is poisoning the minds of the youth yeah. um and i feel like i feel like the yeah the culture has shifted because now you'll see 
people going apeshit on Twitter about something being objectionable and it's not coming from the corporate or the politicians It's coming from the people are enraged about something. And then the corporations act on that. Like, mm. I mean, it just, it literally is happening with Netflix right now. Netflix released that trailer or that photo of those little girls. And it said cute or something like, did you like, are you aware of this is happening right now? No, no, I didn't. And, uh, it's fucking wild. It, it's like, there. it's definitely like this Netflix show that seems just based on its advertising that it's like sexualizing these young girls mm -hmm. in a really in a really gross way and everyone's just like cancel netflix it's like like and i don't know like they might be able to pull the show but they're they're asking for netflix to be canceled which is like netflix is is one of the biggest entertainment commodities right now i i don't even know where i'm getting with all this but well, it, it definitely is different because it's not it's not coming from like out of touch politicians and, and older people that are out of touch with the culture. It's coming from the culture itself. And, and a lot of, you know, like woke Twitter and, and people our age and younger, like uh, millennials and uh, zoomers, like they, they're just very quick to be like, this is why this is offensive. It's, it, it is, it's super weird because it, we're, because <laughs> I don't know. When I was younger, the shit that was the most offensive was the most, I was the most kind of turned on by that. I'm like, I want to know why they're putting a sticker on this and why they're saying it's bad and why they're trying to keep this from me. And so I was like, you know, even back as far as when I was in elementary school, I remember there was a Guns N' Roses out, double album that came out, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. It came out in 1991. And I, I remember like getting... A, a bootleg tape of it and just listening to it over and over again and not knowing what any of the words meant, but I was like enamored by how visceral and offensive and, and almost pornographic it was, but that, that was just me. But now it's strange because the public is, I don't know what, I don't know what it is about now, but a, a lot of it is for the right reasons because there's, there's like, there's rampant misogyny and homophobia and all types of things that I think kind of should be reconsidered. But, but I, I just, I, if there's no freedom anymore in expression, like if it gets to the point where everyone, including comedians and artists and filmmakers have to walk on eggshells to make sure that there's no offensive content ever that there's, like nothing is allowed to be produced that will cause a reaction to any because everyone's like everyone's extremely sensitive right now and for a lot of the right reasons but also i think art should be sacred and it, it should be able to exist if the intention behind it isn't hateful if it's just if it's just art like like it's weird like uh, huckleberry finn they're taking that out of collegiate courses because it just uses words you know, the, it's not it's not hateful rhetoric. It's just it's a snippet from a time period where people use those words. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so the the way I look <clears throat> at it is, it's like I don't know. You can't just get rid of all <clears throat> bad things in art, in music, in film. I just I just think, you know, I I think if 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 that art, music, and film is a tool to promote hate then it should maybe not exist. But if it's just, if it's done in a way, like when I listen to Dave Chappelle tell jokes, I'm not like, 
oh, this is offensive because he's talking about offensive things. No, there's context to it, mm. you know? Like, I don't know. I think it, 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 I think he does it in a nuanced way where you, you have to be kind of dense to just be hyper offended by it. He's a comedian, you know? Yeah. No, and, and, but and, also I'm a dude pushing 40 that like grew up in the 80s and 90s. So right. I might just not be. I don't know. I consider myself pretty aware of the things I say and and what I deem to be offensive. And I don't know. I, I just don't think like you should erase anything that would might be considered offensive. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing we're seeing sort of now with people sort of like knocking over statues of President Grant and stuff like that, and, and or or President Lincoln, my bet, uh, and Grant, and then these are people who fought on the right side of history, you know, and and still yet they're being oh, they're taken rid- out of the conversation. Of- Go ahead. They're getting rid of Lincoln. They're getting rid of the Union mm-hmm. statues now too. Yeah, you didn't hear about that in in San Francisco. Oh, wow. They took down the Grant um, because uh, well, it was I get Robert E. Lee. I get Robert. Yeah, me Lee, too. But- and I get these statues that were built for very specific reasons to promote hate. I get take take those fucking things out. You know, and and uh, yeah, word. But but the problem is is that we're we're. It, you know the the old phrase is like those who forget history are doomed to repeat it, right? And it's just, I feel like when you're taking these conversations out of the pot, it, it's not helping us progress. You're actually sta- you're 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 stamping down progress because you're cutting the conversation out. You're 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 cutting people like like when you're telling people cancel them, you're you're sh- you're telling people that they do not deserve to be heard. They they should not ever be listened to and everything that they own should be taken away from them. And I, I, again, I'll say it again. When you silence people like that, you push them into the arms of fucking extremism because those are the people who are going to listen. And those are the people who are going to feed into that. And those are going to be the people who participate in the echo chambers that, that perpetuate these ideas. And, you know, I I mean, it just keeps going. And, And then all of a sudden you end up with a fucking orange guy as a president. Oh, it's, it's a fucking, it's a mess, man. And, you know, I'm not trying to offer any kind of solutions, but I I definitely, we do need to take a a pump on the brakes. And yes, things are, people are are standing up for things that need to change. I agree with that. But we can't go so far as where we're going to start taking away our our ability to speak our mind. Um, because that's, I, I think that's tyranny, right? Like, isn't that, I don't know. That's not really, that's not really a, a free society when you are forced to not be able to say what you want to say. Um, and, and of well, course, and there's arguments against that with, you know, hate speech and stuff, but. Yeah, we're, well, we're watching that happen in real time right now. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of fucking, there's a lot of really divisive right-wingers that have been deplatformed. And, uh, but, but also it's, it's argued you like you hear Hassan Piker talking about the deplatforming of Alex Jones, the Infowars guy, mm. and this is the thing: is like he, like his speech actually incited terrible things to happen to the parents of these Sandy Hook kids, where Alex Jones followers actually made those people's lives a living hell because he told everyone that Sandy Hook was just a fucking an inside job that it didn't actually happen. Right, and because that, that's the thing is like if you're talking about like. The water's turning the frogs gay. 
Mm-hmm. To me, that's so fucking silly. I don't think anyone should be deplatformed for saying that. But mm-hmm. when he, when the words and your rhetoric is actually causing negative things to happen to people in real life, like maybe that person should be silenced. But but yeah, it's it's a tough one because it. And I said this like probably four times since our conversation started. It, like it depends on the. It's a case by case basis. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, that the comedian Chris D'Elia, like th- that shit was kind of creepy, dude. Like, <laughs> should he have, like that? Because I'm a fan of his, dude. And when that shit came out, I'm like, oh, dude, I really like that guy. Yeah. Fuck, because it it seemed like, granted, he may have not had sex with any underage women, but it seemed like he was doing this fucking kind of game of using his fame to bait fucking like teenagers, mm-hmm. and that's problematic now should he have his whole life taken away i don't know i'm not the judge jury executioner i but it just it just seems like that that's the thing you need to be very mindful of if you're if you're in the public eye you need to not do creepy shit you need to not do racist shit you need to not do misogynistic shit and and regardless of whether or not it's right or wrong it like this shit is happening like if you if you fuck up and you fuck up bad enough your life will end you know like yeah. i don't know what to say like what what can i do about it uh and i, I don't know like not support it, the it person kind of, that's being under fire i guess i mean you could i mean it is easy to not tune in right it's not easy to not tune into that well here's another example when when kobe bryant died in that helicopter accident there was a lot of people that came out and said i'm glad he's dead oh god yeah yeah he's a a rapist and he was was acquitted in a court of law of that of the whole rape thing but like i don't know if he actually did it it, it's just it it, everything's real touchy right now like i I don't even know what to say about that other than that there were innocent children that died in that helicopter as well it wasn't Mm -hmm. just kobe so for you so for you to like go on twitter and be like i'm glad kobe's dead yeah but what about those little children that died in the helicopter accident like you have to you just have to think about what you say a little bit more these days and and maybe Maybe don't put that skit about nutting on a woman's face on your rap album. You know, <laughs> not these days at least. Uh, the, the, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe just do it anyway. Like, like <laughs> Takashi Six Nine. That like that motherfucker is actually guilty of a sex crime, mm. and he still has a career. So I, Anthony Kiedis publicly wrote in his book that he was banging sixteen-year-old models. Still fucking has a career. Uh, it's in his fucking book. I read that. Book. I don't remember that. It was a long time. I read that book in like oh five. Yeah, that, but, that I had to stop yeah. reading it just because of all the uh, all the. No, that was uh, what's his name's book. The dude from uh, Motley Crue. Yes, that was his book. That I I had to stop reading. Yeah, I had to stop reading because I was. It was just like too much. Like I have experience with fucking pins and needles and shit, and I it's just ah. But the it makes sense. It does. When uh when I was reading Scar Tissue, the Anthony Kiedis book, I like the gist I got from it was just like, and then I got sober, and then I started doing drugs again, and then I had sex, and it just seemed like it they just kept repeating over and over again. It's just like sober, fucking doped up, sex, yeah. and that was like it's just like Anthony <laughs> Kiedis just did a lot of drugs and had a lot of sex, and then he got sober, and then he did a lot of drugs and had a lot of sex. <laughs> 
got sober. Plus, he made some really amazing music. Amazing. I mean, arguably, a lot of dude. What's crazy is is how much the Chili Peppers have become this like this meme to hate on these days. What? What? How did the Chili Peppers get memed? I mean, I could see if Andy Kiedis got me too, but memed. I mean, they're a fucking national treasure. I don't know. I'm a I'm a Chili Peppers fan, but I'm I more like of a Chili John Frusciante. I'm a John Frusciante Flea guy, like to the core. Like I love those those two as a unit. Uh, I like Red Hot Minute just... a lot too, though, man. I mean, Dave Navarro brought it in there. Oh, yeah? I, I really do. I really like that. I mean, Aeroplane's a beautiful song, man. It's like, uh, uh, but but yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm more of a Fashanti Flea guy, but uh, but I, I to give a little love outside of that. But but yeah, I mean, it's not cool to be a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. It's like such, it's too normy of a <laughs> these days. That's so stupid. Well, uh, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to bring up something that kind of goes with this and censorship and culture telling you what you can and can't do. It was, um, you remember a conversation with homie from Bumpin' Uglies and, um, and you were talking about how um, they have a song called White Boy Reggae, which I was really deeply a part of the reggae scene in San Diego, which is, you know, I mean, you're probably familiar with, I was touring with bands and stuff up and down san diego played yeah, cal roots here. one love and all those festivals yeah, so. yeah. that's that's my backyard is st mary's oh yeah yeah. Man. yeah i fucking love that festival um but it, you know there's that the the cultural appropriation which is a part of this censorship idea this this idea that because you're white uh, you're not allowed to play reggae music and because you're white you're not allowed to play funk music even though you guys aren't a funk band per se, but there's elements of funk and ska and, and rock and heavy and all this stuff kind of in there. So, and you were kind of talking about how someone was sort of criticizing you or something about being a white, he's just a white guy funk boy or some shit. Uh, I, I was just, uh, can you sort of speak on that and sort of how you, how you reacted and how you sort of feel about this whole idea of cultural appropriation? Uh, well, in art especially. Yeah. Well, this is when I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit in a predominantly white suburb, uh, it, I was always exposed to, exposed to lots of black music by my mother, like Motown, Michael Jackson, like we, and then like MTV came along and it, it just, it, it never seemed wrong of me to take in everything that was coming my way, which is everything from like Guns N' Roses to Bobby Brown to, to, uh, you know, like fucking listening to the Temptations and like old Michael Jackson on vinyl and Earth, Wind and Fire and all the stuff that my mom used to play. And there was just always all this type of, of music happening since I was a little kid. And I always loved it. And I always just wanted to do it. And I always just wanted to sing. And, and I, would, I would always walk around beatboxing and stuff. And w when you're just a, a little kid, you're an innocent. You're not really necessarily thinking about uh, where did this come from? Where are the roots, the, the roots of this, uh, as far as culturally speaking? And so, I, I, dude, I started a rap group when I was in fucking third grade, you know, <laughs> just because I heard, I heard Public Enemy and I'm like, this is the coolest shit ever. It seems so counterculture and it seemed like they were fighting against something. And, and, and I didn't understand their defiance and that it was a racial defiance and they were fighting against white america 
and fighting against racism, you know, but I knew they were fighting for the right thing. So ever since I was a little kid, I was always just, I was enamored by black culture. And until very recently, that was, that wasn't really necessarily frowned upon. Like, uh, we, I signed a management deal with Norwood from the band Fishbone who, and they're an all black LA band that plays uh, funk and, and reggae and ska and soul music. And, and to me, he was like, they were like my favorite band, but I, but I didn't, I wasn't necessarily like what, what my band is doing is just borrowing heavily from black culture because I, I, it never really, it never really was a big deal until very recently. And I, and I, I've like recently had, I have had like deep, deep thoughts about all this, whether or not like I should change my band name. I mean, I've had this band name for 20 years, but if you think about it, like downtown Brown, it, it sounds dirty and funky and it, it, it's, you know, what they call fucking gnarly weed that you get in Detroit, you know? like the the band name just kind of just fell out of our drummer at the time in the early 2000s just out of his mouth why don't we call ourselves downtown brown it sounds funky but even even funk is music that was created by black people blues jazz all all popular music in america is it, it comes from black people so really no matter which way you cut it, whether you're in a rock band or an indie band or a fucking SoCal reggae band, like you're borrowing from black culture. And if you look like me and you're doing it, then it, for all intents and purposes, like downtown Brown bumping uglies, like fucking, you know, you name it, any of the SoCal reggae bands that are big, fucking slightly stupid. Like we're all borrowing from music that was invented by black people. But but we wouldn't be making this type of music if we didn't think it was the shit. And if and if if I didn't grow up in a cultural hodgepodge where I was just exposed to so much different stuff, whether it was punk rock or hip hop or funk music or just straight up rock and roll, which is all blues based too, like it to me it just made sense. I love all this type of music. I'm gonna be in a band that does all of it. And but now, you know, people like Brandon from Bumpin' Uglies or myself were, you know, were ask these questions or sometimes given this criticism where it's like, Oh, well you're just a white guy that plays funk. And like when I, when I back HR from bad brains, I'm a white guy playing reggae, you know? And I never really thought about any of this until recently. And, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing to recognize because you, if you're going to be stepping into this realm where you're playing music that was originated uh, by people that like, it's not your culture, then you better respect the culture and you better have appreciation for where it came from. You should have a knowledge of where it came from and you should, you should be doing, you know, your best to, to, to respect the art form. And I don't know. (laughs) The way I look at it is, you know, the the way I look at it is, I didn't. It, it never really was a problem until recently. And some of the people in my band, like I have a I have a a drummer out here that plays with me. That's a black guy, and the my drummer from Detroit is a black guy. So like my my band is like our bass player is a Jewish guy. Like we're we're a multicultural band. Um. So to to just be 
like, oh, they play white guy funk. No, we also play punk rock and heavy metal mm. and, and a little bit of jazz. And it, like, and, and then we sing shit that sounds like children's songs. Like Downtown Brown isn't just a funk band. It'd be one thing if we were just playing all funk and the whole band was just a funk band. But but it's just a cultural hodgepodge. And it, it just it is a product of the way I grew up and, and my appreciation for all types of different music that comes from all types of different culture. But heavily... Heavily, a, a lot of what I do is comes from my appreciation of black culture. Mm. You know, yeah. like I when I was in high school, I started listening to Parliament Funkadelic and Prince and and Curtis Mayfield and Isaac Hayes. And you know, then in my early twenties, I got real into like Mr. Bungle and They Might Be Giants. And then uh, you know, I I just you know when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, so I don't know if 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 I'm answering any questions. <clears throat> saying what i'm saying but i i feel like i feel like it would be pretty boring if if everyone was only allowed to make music or art based on their their cultural lineage you know what i'm saying yeah because we live in we live in america where everything i mean that would be like telling that would be like telling all of japan who like worships american culture that they're not allowed to listen to rap anymore <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Snooze Mew. You can't listen to hip hop anymore, bro. Uh, Snooze Mew was saying, like the whole um, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder thing. The joke is that he was playing a white actor that is unaware of how racist what he was doing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's great satire. It's great satire, and, and he, like they tried to cancel him, and that movie came out what what fucking twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time. Ago. Yeah, it, 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 the the idea that. Um, well, like you were saying, and I think you were getting on this, is that, you know, American culture, with especially with music, and especially as you get the blues starts to emerge, music starts to become this very, this huge transcending um, part of, 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 of the ending racism. It, it, it sort of transcended race. Uh, I mean, you'd have, you know, these, like you look back in the big band days, like Benny Goodman, uh, uh, Glenn Miller and all of them, they would have black musicians touring with them. And and so like America, history, historically, music has been this bridge uh, to acceptance and to, you know, tolerance and and, and 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 loving and appreciating other cultures and sharing in that and 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 so i i think that to 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 just tell people that they can't do that i was like i think that's just like historically wrong like no like a music has always been one of those things that brought people together in this country especially so fuck you it's like my music i was in the white boy reggae and and Trust me, as soon as I got to Southern California coming from the Midwest, and you know what it's like out here, you know how fucking we get rowdy, we come out in new places, we want to just start breaking shit. It's just like, I fucking was like, fuck this, <laughs> fuck white boy reggae bullshit, and I was the biggest shit talker. And then, uh, and then I got asked on a tour, and I was like, oh, I can do that. And then all of a sudden, I was in the, I was in the scene, it was over, and and. And, and I, I still get shit. I still get shit from all the homies. They're all still like, oh, all this shit talk you're saying. But what I learned from that is when you see people at these huge festivals like Cal Roots or One Love or whatever, that you see black, white, fucking Asian, Mexican, everyone is so happy just to be together and to be in this moment sharing it with each other. 
and you're telling me that what you're doing is perpetuating hate? Go fuck yourself. You can suck a dick at that. I think, like, as long as the people who are creating the music are aware of where it came from and what its roots are, like, it's called Cali Roots. Like, like, as long as they possess the knowledge Mm. that the music, where, where it came from and its lineage... And, and you respect that culture and, you know, and as long as you're doing it from the heart and you're writing music from your soul, like it may, so it might have upstrokes or whatever, but like what Brandon brought up in that podcast, mm-hmm. I think was really valid is, is the fake Jamaican accent. Yes. Like that's, that's crossing a line to me yeah. of, of actual appropriation, because if, if you're from San Diego, you don't sound like a Jamaican dude. Don't do that. <laughs> You know, and that was my big problem too. But please, that'd be like me getting on stage and being like, you know, you know, speaking with a an accent that is a Jamaican accent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, (laughs) like, or because I play funk, like I I start, you know, whatever a a fucking funk accent would be, you know, like if if we're a person of color, start yelling like like Jane Brown. But the thing is, when I got to say, I call everyone motherfuckers and I talk how I talk right here, except I just scream a lot. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. It's me. It's me. And what and what I'm doing is I'm taking all the things that I love, which some of it's black music. Some of it's like weird heavy metal shit. Some of it's children's music, you know, and I'm just plopping it all together. And to me, the way I look at it, that's just an appreciation of where I came from, you know, and, and what I, and what I truly enjoy. So there, there are parts of my music that are heavily bluesy fucking kind of metal type shit. There's parts where it goes into ska, but I'm aware, like I know where all that shit came from. Right. Like I'm, I'm not going to claim that I'm reinventing the wheel or doing anything. It's just, I'm just a dude that likes a whole bunch of different shit. And I'm in the band that I would like to hear. I would like to hear a band that's silly and ridiculous and like plays all types of different music and is high energy. So I'm essentially I'm in my favorite band because if you know, like the way I do things is the way I would w- want to see things done. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is an amazing gift as a, a human being to be able to like create something out of nothing take everything you like about music and art in general and just plop it all together. I mean, that's what ICP did. They took their love of hip hop and they mixed it with a little bit of Alice Cooper. They mixed it with a little bit of wrestling and then they mixed it with their fucking, their own Southwest Detroit street culture, which is like drinking shitty soda. And, and then they mix it with some horror movie shit and you have ICP. Like, are they appropriating culture? They're, they're they're deriving from all types of different cultures some of it black some of it like just weird alice cooper horror movie type shit you know is is wrestling black culture because icp is heavily influenced by wrestling so if you look at like bumping uglies they're heavily influenced by you know bands like sublime now sublime Sublime is, is, is they were a product of Long Beach in the late 80s, early 90s, which you want to talk about a fucking melting pot. Sure, Sublime was all white guys, 
but they fucking kicked it with a lot of Mexican dudes, a lot of black dudes, like the original drummer, Marshall Goodman's a black guy. And Bradley grew up loving hip hop music, loving reggae music. But, but when, you know, no one was like, Hey, sublime, you're not allowed to do that. Like yeah. they were revered and they were friends with, the guys that manage my band and fishbone like they they're comrades mm. and fishbone fishbone was friends with the chili peppers too they weren't like you're not allowed to play funk because it you know george clinton produced the chili peppers and there Detroit. wasn't this conversation yeah. yeah there wasn't this conversation like oh these white boys can't play funk they're not allowed to because george clinton said they're like i'm with these guys like he, he like he put them on yeah. Like he produced fucking freaky styley. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like in the nineties, this conversation didn't even exist because everything like, look at the beastie boys, like three Jewish guys from Brooklyn and just doing rap music. They were on Def jam mm -hmm. was Russell Simmons. Like, Oh, we can't do this because these, these Jewish guys didn't invent hip hop. Right, right. We did. No, he, he dude, they were huge. LL Cool J opened up for Beastie Boys. Yeah, you know, and and I can see I can see the other side of the argument where you have like you know the people who kind of originated this sort of sound is sort of being pushed out because to make room for the or for the for someone who kind of came and just copied what they were doing and, and did it like Elvis, yeah. you know, like Elvis is the classic example, and and, and so I, I see where they're coming from with all that, but. I also see that I, I'm going to stick with the argument that historically music has brought people together. And to, to say that it doesn't is, is just disingenuous. It, it, all you have to do is go to a concert, you know, like, like, like a Cal Roots concert or something like that. You're going to see all kinds of people just having a fucking good time. And, and it's just that I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I just can't get behind that argument unless you're right. Unless it's somebody who's seriously just mocking it and just, just just being as disrespectful to it as possible the other thing with the accent i am um, <clears throat> there's this guy um who i love to death his name is josh heinrichs he's a reggae player he plays in the socal scene but he's a midwest guy he has this guy who he brings with him called skillinja and uh he was he was uh he gets criticized a lot and they sort of addressed it and um you know the the his argument was is that we've been to Jamaica, we've recorded albums with Jamaicans, uh, we've recorded albums with the Marley family in Jamaica, um, and they were approving us. And they it, we play side by side with Jamaicans, we play side by side with fucking black people. We don't, and not one person from the opposite race or Jamaican, not one Jamaican, not one black person has ever come up to them and, and given them any shit about it. And it's only been white people who care. Um, now personally, personally, I think it's a little over the top, right? The Jamaican accent, you're from Missouri, bro. <laughs> you're from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you know, so, but, but I thought what he said made a, a pretty valid point. It's like, you know, these guys have, uh, you know, they, they've gotten the seal of approval from, from the top. So, I mean, what do you think about that in, in that situation? I mean, it's similar to, this, to the, the situation with the Chili Peppers or the situation, you know, like when Fishbone really put us on in 2013 when uh, Norwood was, uh, he produced our album. There was, 
there's a lot of white fishbone fans that kind of fetishize that they're an all black band that plays this you know this this crazy music and it's strange because like when they put us on, like we were too white and too corny to be associated with Fishbone, according to Fishbone's audience. So I like even it's funny because even though, even though like we kind of got the cosign from the homies from Fishbone, like it, their fans were very critical of us because we were a, a bunch of goofy dudes, a bunch of go goofy white boys playing funky music. So, um. But also that album went a lot of different places. There's like fucking space rock, stoner rock. There's, you know, heavy metal influences. It's it's all over the place. There's Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a really tough one because the landscape is changing as far as the the way society and culture sees things. Yeah. And it 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 like it's getting to a point where I there's a part of me because you know that band Andrew Jackson Jihad. Like, have you heard of that band AJJ? No. Okay. Well, they're like a like a folk punk band, mm -hmm. but it, their their name is kind of offensive if you think about it, the the cultural figures and the fact that they throw Jihad on it. Right. Andrew Jackson Jihad. Um, they actually just changed straight up changed their name to the to AJJ. Oh wow! You know. And there's a part of me that I'm like, I'm like, is downtown Brown offensive to the point where we should just change our name to, to D to DTB. Right. And like, I've actually had this legitimate conversation with myself in my brain, like wondering, like, should we just like go full DTB and just not be called downtown Brown anymore? Cause it borrows too much. It sounds, it doesn't sound like, but then again, I don't know. It's, it's, it's our brand. And I've, I've for the last 20 years I've sold hundreds and hundreds of t-shirts with that name on it. Bro. I don't know. Don't, I don't know what don't fucking change your name, a, bro. Don't fucking change your name. It's weird time. <laughs> it's fucking change well, your name. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing is like whether or not I'm actually gonna pull the trigger on changing shit, it, it uh we it, you just have to consider things differently now. Um, because the culture has changed and and people are changing and we're evolving. So yeah. it, it's no, I, I get what you're saying, but like, was your name born out of hate? Oh, it's born out of appreciation. Yeah. Okay. So no, then, then you know, you know that there's not hate behind that, and and your fans who they fucking know that you guys aren't hateful, and and, and if somebody wants to bring up some shit, I mean, I mean, all you can do is defend yourself, but I mean, it's, I, I just, I don't know, man, like. That's a that's a heavy thing to have to weigh out because on one half one part is like you don't want to deal with anything you don't want to be this out of touched old dude who fuck it you know like who's just tuning around pissing people off but on the other hand this is your fucking life man this is like over half of your life is this right this name this everything and it's like this is what you've been building your entire fucking life or for a good portion of your life. So for some people, for some a small group of people, this imaginary people, or some may you might have heard Bobak, but we haven't really caught any any yeah, real. Shit. I I couldn't it, I, I couldn't imagine seeing uh, somebody who poured their whole life into or half their life into this thing and then just be like fuck it these I don't want to be make people mad you know and, and I get it I get it man I get what you're coming from but uh, I I support the no changing of the name. Yeah, the, the white guy well, it, in Ohio supports your name. <laughs> thanks, Ohio white guy. <laughs> but 
I don't know, man. But I think what it comes down to is you should you should question all these things. Like, yes, yes. Uh, it, there's nothing and, and wrong it, with questioning. That's that's the what that I think that's perfect thing to say actually because because there's nothing wrong with people taking a second before the the first fucking stupid ass thing comes spewing out of their gullet to take a breath and be like. Should I say that? Is that appropriate? Is that what I should be doing right now? To to have a little self-examination and, and to self-awareness. There's nothing wrong with that. And and so Yeah, just, or just be aware enough of the landscape mm. to to not just sound ignorant when you speak. Or you know what I'm saying? I, like I do that a lot. <laughs> it's just a different time and you have to my girlfriend tells me all the time she's like well like because i'll have conversations with myself like to her like kind of, i'll be like and man, i could do this and maybe like but people are saying that and this, this person online is saying this and but what do you think about this and like but, but it, it's weird because she's just telling me i should ignore it all but i think uh so much of what paying attention to the bigger conversation does is it causes a person like myself to just kind of analyze things differently and, and, and be like, you know, like, (laughs) like, where do I fall in all of this? Like, am I the fucking ignorant white guy that doesn't get anything or, or am I the, the, the white person that is willing to learn, accept and change certain things about myself in, in order to, you know, be a little bit more sensitive to the world at large or is that all just like people are too sensitive and i should just be who the fuck i am and fuck everyone like i i I haven't really necessarily like globbed onto any of these but i am in the process of looking at myself and constantly analyzing like i don't know like who am i what do i stand for like what where do i want to go from here how do i want to express myself and how do I want to do so in a way that isn't that won't alienate or or make me seem stupid? You know, like and and, and, the, and the question is like, should this much thought go into being a human being? Shouldn't you just like do whatever the fuck you do and just be you and that should be it? Maybe. Mm. You know, maybe I shouldn't be this analytical, but I got a lot of time on my hands. So <laughs> I don't know what okay. to say. All right. So um I'm gonna oh, we've been talking about Three hours, I know, bro. I know. I was gonna ask you: Do you have time for a quick song and a quick game? Sure. Okay. You could. You could totally say no if you have to go, because I I know that we didn't really talk about duration here, and we just I, I just I like hearing you talk, man. So um, I'm gonna play. Well, as a- I appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, I I do talk a lot, and I I apologize if if I fucking this go is- off on tangents. And talk too much, but I'm a, my, my brain's a little melted right now. This is the perfect kind of, um, this is like Twitch and podcasts are like perfect for people who are just long-winded and, because it's not like what you're saying is boring. It, it's like, uh, but it's definitely, I, I hate talking it's to objective. who knows. Right. But have you ever had a guest who is just sitting there and answering with yes or no answers? Yes. Yeah exactly yes, yes exactly yeah. so it's like um it, it's it's not fun you want somebody who's long-winded who's gonna do do all <laughs> the heavy lifting so all you gotta do is sit there and go not that 
Okay. Anyway, but yes, this is. Get, yeah, you get it. I get it. You I do understand. get it. You get it completely because you talk to people <laughs> a lot. Um, we so, talk. We talk. Okay, I'm gonna sing. It's raining tacos for saucy chicken nugget because he's cashed in his five thousand fucking things. Oh wow. <laughs> I think I call them melodicas. Five thousand melodicas, and then we're gonna play a game, and then we'll be done. Five thousand sounds like a big number. Five. Well, it's five thousand channel points, and it's because I really don't want to do this. But I did it well, because I need to get I, better at things. I Go ahead. Support you. Oh well, you're a singer, I mean, and you're a singer and a guitar player. So this is. Oh, uh, right, do you, baby? You got this. Um. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a bit player, sir. I, I'm in the background. I, I just uh, I play keys or whatever you need, I guess. But it's not. I am not a uh, front guy at all. Okay, so we're gonna play. It's raining tacos, and um, we're gonna do it in front of our guest. <laughs> okay, we're getting some reverb too, because that's nice. All right, it's yeah. raining tacos. From out of the sky, tacos. No need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos. It's raining tacos. Out in the streets, tacos. All you can eat lettuce and shells, cheese and meat. It's raining tacos. Yum, yum, yummity, yum. It's like a dream. <laughs> God damn it. Yum, yum, yummity, yum. It's more sour cream. It's raining tacos. Ooh, tacos. Ooh, tacos. Tacos, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos, yeah. Okay, there you go. There you go, Saucy. Thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, let's play a game, guys. Um, we'll play. Uh, how many of you guys want? We're just gonna do one today, guys, because we're uh, because I'm hungry and I have to pee. <laughs> so, uh, let me see. Here. Uh, okay, uh, let me get rid of you, kind of. Okay, all right, I'm gonna do a screen share so you can participate. And uh, my entire screen. Yes, do that. And now we're sharing. And where's my slides? Wow. Here we go. So we're not going to be able to see. Um, oh, shit. Hold on. Let me readjust this real quick. We're not going to be able to see Neil because, well, he's behind all this stuff. So sorry, Neil, you're off screen right now. But you'll be able to see what we're doing and have fun. All right. Come on, bitch. All right. All right that's, that's fine. <laughs> We're just doing this. All right. Cool. So it's called How Much Does It Cost on Craigslist? I put together a PowerPoint, everybody. This is the first time. Hey. 
Um, so it's how much does it cost on Craigslist? Uh, it, you can go over there. The, it's similar to the prices, right? But you can go over in price. It's whoever is closest to the actual price on Craigslist of the item. And we have, what do we have today? What do we have today? Oh, we got LA native since we have a, uh, well, Detroit, LA, well, Long Beach guy. We'll, we'll give that up. Oh, how about Skid Row? Since we're talking to, you know, a rocker, Skid Row. And, mm. uh, and this is from our sponsor, modedstudios.com. Uh, fully embroidered patches and apparel. They got them there. Go check them out. And then we have this herpes, which is a thrasher uh, knockoff, but it says herpes, wrap it up. So we'll go herpes, Skid Row, uh. and LA Native. And just for fun, um, maybe Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. So that will be our choices for the day. Those patches, and that's what we're playing for. So let's fucking rock it, guys. All right, so our first item up for bid is a vintage Wurlitzer jukebox from Latin Club in Detroit. I got a Detroit. Oh, oh. wow. God damn it. Can you see that well, uh, 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 Neil? Jesus, Paul. What the I can see it. Okay, can you, can you read it, or, or is it? Okay. Anyways, it says vintage jukebox from Latin Club in Detroit. Beautiful Wurlitzer jukebox from the Latin Club in Detroit. All original, including 78s. So, has all the original music in it. And uh, it's vintage. And it's from Detroit. So, Reyna already started in the fun. So, drop your guesses in the chat, guys. And um, I'll get Neil's. Neil, go ahead, man. What do you, what do you bid on this? Three grand. Three grand. Neil says $3,000. Wallace says $2,100. Raina says $1,985. Anybody else want to play? Go ahead and drop it. You guys just really good. Mighty Mighty. Mighty Mighty's $2,100. Anyone else? Oh, spicy chicken nugget. Oh, how dare you do the $1. That doesn't work in this game. <laughs> Well, sometimes it does, but not very often. Um, it might. Well, because you can't go over. You can go over, so it doesn't really, you know, like, you can go over, so putting a dollar doesn't really help because it's, uh, I think, never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Actual retail price on Craigslist. $98,000. You guys are all wrong except for Neil. Neil, you have won yourself a patch, sir. Dude, 98 grand for yeah, that thing? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, out of Detroit? Like, what the fuck? You gonna. That's much. No one's gonna pay that. No, nobody. Maybe in LA, maybe in New York or something, but nobody in Detroit is fucking paying $98,000 for a vintage fucking jukebox. Put that shit on eBay, son. So. Neil, I'm going to bring Neil back, actually. Hold on. Where is Neil? Where are you, Neil? Come back. Um, Neil, right here. Which, uh, which, uh, which patch would you like? Uh, we have our... Oh, God. What happened here? How dare you? Getting a little laggy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, 
That that sucks. That looks terrible. Okay, which one would you like? Uh, herpes, Skid Row. Oh, herpes for sure. Herpes. Herpes. Herpes Thrasher. Okay, cool. Um, you can, uh, if you want, you can uh, text me or email me your address. I'll send that out. Neil, I appreciate you coming on the show, my man. I really fucking like you know being open and and just. You know, doing you. I, I really do appreciate it. I, I enjoyed our conversation today. And um, man, I look forward to catching your streams. When do you stream? Uh, I do Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. But it, it, sometimes it changes. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. I've been trying to do this yeah, Monday, I, Friday thing. But whew. Yeah, the Monday... I had I have a buddy that started streaming Mondays and we kind of shared like similar people. So I'm just like, I'll just start doing Sundays. I actually got better traffic on my last Sunday stream. Mm. It's hard though, man. It is. Streaming's tough, dude. Even even people are busy, you know. They oh, have yeah. their own lives. And so essentially you, I have to find new people that like the dumb shit I do somehow. I you know, it's funny. It's like my podcast can get, you know, several thousand downloads, but not one of them cocksuckers are coming over to the stream. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like how are wow. so it's just it doesn't apply. That's what I love about Twitch too, is that the rules don't necessarily apply. If you have a little bit of clout, you might be able to pull some. But I see people who tour with huge bands on online who have like twenty people up in their chat, you know, and fuck it. And not that I'm judging because I would love for 20 people just to hang out in my chat all the time. So, but it's, 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 um, it's just interesting. It's a whole new world. It is. It is. You see T-Pain having tech issues, like pulling out his hair, like, what the fuck? You know, like. And that's T-Pain. And that's T-Pain. <laughs> he has access to people who can actually just do this shit for him. And he's just like, why? Yeah. Uh, he's it, like, oh, my fucking OBS is fucking up. <laughs> It's like, I love that it equal. It's a great equalizer for for most. For most, it's a great equalizer. There are some people who just walk in with a fucking you know with a huge crowd, but it's still it, it's it, it's one of the, it's such a cool platform and I'm fucking having a blast with it. But Neil, thank yeah. you so much, man. I really do appreciate. Uh, what's your website and uh, how can people get in touch? Uh, dtbmusic.com that's the downtown brown website everything else is at neil p neil p no underscore just at neil p neil p my instagram youtube twitch uh twitter all of it so find neil p neil p if yeah and i'm always doing shit making dumb videos and we watched several of your videos on Monday. We were going through because what I do is like on the days that I don't have guests, I do like live looping and just sort of, you know, improvise live looping. But like at the beginning, we go through and we talk about our upcoming guests. And, oh, cool. And we had fun watching your videos. The, yeah, it's some silly shit. So um, this, the Brown Christmas was one of my favorite. Are you talking about heroin, by the way? Is that drug? Like, is that is that what you're referencing? Because you're just all nodded out and shit. No, it's just uh, it's just shit Christmas. You might oh, as well call oh, it. A okay, shit. okay. I I I guess yeah. I didn't catch it. I was just like, because we thought chat thought it was drugs. This is like I think he's on uh, drugs. <laughs> okay, no, no, that that video it was just me being depressed. It's not mm. me nodding out. Uh, yeah, that was just me being fucking super sad about life. Yeah, brown Christmas. Everything is brown and down and gotcha. shitty. I, I I totally took it as like everything is brown, like heroin. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess 
I guess br- like brown is a heroin term. I it, didn't know that in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I people have told me that over the years. They're like downtown brown. Is that a heroin thing? Like no. Yeah. That's that's what I thought honestly. That because because we I, not that we referenced it as downtown brown, but there was definitely reference. You got that brown whistle with a brown. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. That's wild. It, <laughs> Yeah, so downtown brown could mean so much. It could mean appropriating <laughs> funk, or it could just mean straight up heroin. So, <laughs> uh, with that, <laughs> Neil P. Which everybody, is- <laughs> which one is it? Neil? I, I again, man, thanks a lot, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. You have you yeah. have you you have a whole afternoon rest of your afternoon ahead of you. So enjoy that. Yeah. I might take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds lovely. All right, man. Yep. I'll, I'll talk to hey, you. Hey, thanks soon. for having me, Mike, and oh. uh, and thanks to the chat for tuning in. And I hope everyone is, you know, staying as sane as y'all can. Thank you so much, Neil. I super-duper appreciate you coming on the show and talking about Ben Shapiro, talking about wet-ass pussy. That shit's tight. <laughs> I uh, I actually did go and see that video of Ben Shapiro <laughs> doing uh, an analysis, I guess, or just he's reading the lyrics. And it is just as sterile as Neil was talking about. It's just like that wet-ass pee word riding on that d word that n word gonna give it to you know like he's just doing and he's doing it in the most sterile just conservative like smart ass smirk of a fucking tone in the world and uh it just sounds it's just hilarious i mean he knows he knows what he was doing he knew what he was doing he knows they know what they're doing over there they know what they're doing they know it's hilarious to hear this super ultra white guy talk super ultra white on some (laughs) some shit like wet ass pussy which i still stand by it what's wrong with wet ass pussy who wants some dry ass pussy who's out there like advocating for dry ass pussy i don't know you know, people. You know, people either are like, "Oh my God, what the fuck," or, or like, "You go, girl, women empowerment, wet pussy." Yeah, and I support. I support it. I support it. Wet pussy is amazing. I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Is wet ass pussy. So, girl power. Yeah. <laughs> No, but for real, everybody, go check out Neil P. I'm leaving all the links in the show notes, so please go click. You can find Neil P. on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Neil P. Neil P. And that's N-E-I-L-P. N-E-I-L-P. He has tons of other stuff. Let me let me just click through here, make sure I get some get get these red red out for you. He is on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Neil P. Neil P. What, what is he on YouTubes? He has a Patreon as well, I see. Uh, he's Neil P on... Oh, and he just released a new... Did he release a new song? Holy shit. Maybe we should play that. Maybe we can. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so he's around. He's around. So go and like, subscribe, do all the good things. 
He also has a Patreon. Go check that out. Patreon.com slash NeoP. Go be a dude, bruh, or fam. <laughs> That's really funny. His dude is $2 a month, bruh. It's $5 a month. And fam is $10 a month. What do you get for fam? Let me see. For ten dollars a month, you get access to Patreon, pa- Patreon, Patreon. Oh my god! Okay, we speak English good. Okay, for ten dollars a month, you get access to Patreon, pa- Patreon-only posts, only viewable by you. I will also list you in the credits of every new video as it drops. Thank you, fam. Benefits of being fam: access to Patreon-only posts, your name, and YouTube video credits. My utmost gratitude and thanks. All right, so there you go. Wow, and he has 17 patrons. He's killing it. He's more patrons than me. I ain't got no patron. Anyways, okay. Um, go like, subscribe, review, whatever. We speak English good.com. Um, find us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we speak English good at gmail.com. Write us something if you want to. Um, go support Neil P. Downtown Brown, of course, fucking legends in in the Midwest, and you know they have they 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 do okay. They do okay. <laughs> you heard Neil. They got kicked off a Warp tour, so <laughs> you know. So you know. Okay, guys, I'm gonna call it a day. I have been fucking working all day. I've been editing video, and and doing meetings and and advising people on how to stream and fucking um jesus christ like trying to parent i just told my son today he's like no school today son (laughs) it's not happening it's just not fucking happening it might not happen tomorrow either homeschooling it's insane but um the good thing is about what we're doing is that we started really early in the year so we are able to uh we're really ahead we're like a month ahead of all the pace dates they have pace dates like we're so far fucking ahead we're fucking dope so we can take these few days when things get busy but that should be you know we can't i i I just i feel guilty every day he goes by where he's just (laughs) playing video games and (laughs) basically fending for like i literally told him like you gotta cook your own dinner tonight (laughs) I'm like, I got shit. And I do. I I mean, I'm doing this. I'm fucking editing shit for this big project. And it all ends. Actually, you know what? I can talk about it. It, Actually, tune in uh, SPCC Toledo on YouTube on November or September 17th, which is Thursday, this Thursday. So tomorrow, tune in SPCC Toledo and fucking drop in. I'm going to be involved in a stream that's helping a local homeless shelter. I did all the video editing. And um, I had a really great time doing it. So please do stop by SPCC Toledo. They do great work here in Toledo, Ohio. SPCCToledo.com or StPaulsCommunityCenter.com. Definitely go support. They they are their hashtag this year is more than a homeless shelter, and they truly are. And just being able to work with them so closely and seeing like the extent of what they do. It has just been so incredible. Uh, you know, they, they not only shelter homeless people, they, they do they have programs that that help navigate them to housing. They they like there's treatment far beyond, you know, just being a shelter. You can go you can go anywhere, any shelter and get a place to sleep, but 
this is a place where you go and you and and you don't have to do these programs but if you just need a place to sleep you need a place to sleep and that's fine you know people are transient and that's what they do that's how they know and that's how they want to live and that's i'm sure that's not how they want to live most a lot of them but i work i don't know i'm not trying to sound like an asshole here i just um i've really grown close to the homeless community and I'm not trying to say all this to for people to think that I'm some kind of saint um, but it's more or less because I want your support and if you go to SBCC Toledo um, in uh, on September 17th at from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time we're gonna be doing a live stream Rain and I will be performing on it. We're producing it and we're putting it together. So if you like the content that I put out, it's a lot different. Obviously, it's it's more of a highlight of the of the of the organization and what they do, what they stand for, and it was just cool. I was able to edit mayor stuff. I, you know, the mayor of Toledo. I was city councilors and commissioners, and it was just a very intimate look at how much support that this this organization has in this community and so if you will join us on september 17th from 6 to 8 p.m eastern standard time we would love for you to stop through and make a donation uh anything helps and we do appreciate any and all donations or just come hang out and and stream and keep us company say hi we'll be moderating it and it'll be fun so if you're familiar with twitch or youtube and how the live chats work it's gonna be something like that uh, so come through okay that was my large pitch and it's at the very end and it's because it's not that i'm embarrassed it's just that i don't i don't um i don't talk about it a lot because it's not why i do what i do i don't do it to talk about it and tell people what i do it's actually kind of you know it's a personal thing honestly it's a very personal thing for me to go out and help the community in the ways that i do and uh and it's beautiful that i'm able to use my skills to do that but the main important reason why i'm saying all of this shit <laughs> is that i want your money <laughs> i want you to give your money to this organization saint paul's community center so i'll leave a link in the show notes please do go and donate what you can i know it's been a rough year for a lot of people and and it's fucking getting crazier and crazier but um i really love this organization and i think that they deserve all the money all of it so um, i'm not a saint i just want you to give money to this organization so uh if you feel like doing that please do okay guys take care of your fellow human beings donate to spcc toledo take care of your fellow human beings hj is for everybody i'll see you guys next week who's next week Hold on. Let me see who's next week. I've been liking telling you guys who's next week. Yo, my schedule's about to open up so hard, so I think I'm going to go back to double releases again. Uh, just for a little bit, just to get kind of caught up. Let me see who's next. Um, this is my shit. Hold on. I'm looking, guys. Oh, it's right on top. Risky Biscuit Band. Hell yeah. So the next release is the Risky Biscuit Band out of Atlanta, GA. They are, uh, you know what, the the guys I talked to were so fucking funny. They're so nice. They are super experienced. Been touring around the country, you know, doing really well, signing their labels and stuff. They got quite a story. 
and we go pretty in depth. So that is next week. Risky Biscuits Band. Okay, guys, take care of your fellow human beings. Donate to SPCC Toledo uh, or St. Paul's Community Center.com. I'll leave the show a link in the show notes. So take care of your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. Love you. I'll see you next week. 